and welcome to Weekly Manga Recap. It's March the 18th of 2020. Oh, boy. Chris, last week was the first week that I that I uh, did the recording without uh, having to worry about going to work uh, at, immediately after work because I quit my job previously. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know if the world was waiting for me to be out of the hellish job that I had been stuck in for a little while before everything went crazy at once. Uh, and I'm not just talking about like, you know, uh, the, the global pandemic that everyone is dealing with and is, you know, if you guys are, uh, you know, I hope hopefully, you know, able to uh, take measures that, uh, you know, are going to help, you know, us stay healthier than we uh, could potentially be. Uh, but the, the whole thing with you know, there's the consequences to that in terms of all of our, you know, entertainment media as well. And, but also Tom Brady's a buccaneer now, I, apparently. You know, I was going to say, Nick, um, it's big news for Tampa. I never thought, if you had told me 10 years ago, five years ago, hey, your buccaneers are going to pick up Tom Brady, I'd be like, sweet. Now I'm just like, oh no. <laughs> what, what How a, much are we paying him? <laughs> I, I was like, it has to be a weird week for Nick. Of like, oh, we lost WrestleMania, but we got Tom Brady? Question mark? But we also have WrestleMania, (laughs) but no one's going to be there, and it's going to be over two nights now. (laughs) Is that that what they're doing? They just announced literally less than an hour ago that they're going to have WrestleMania, which is taking place at their performance center in front of nobody because somebody eventually decided it was a bad idea for thousands of people from all over the world to gather in one place while... We have a very contagious virus going around. Um, so they're holding it in, fr- in their performance center in front of no audience with only yeah. essential staff on hand. And then less than an hour ago, they were like, WrestleMania is now a two night event with both nights being hosted by Rob Gronkowski. <laughs> I think they had to do that because the way it's phrased is you're not allowed to have gathering. Well, I don't know what Florida's rules are right now. But I know many places that you can't have gatherings of more than 50 people. And I was like, I think there's more than 50 performers alone yeah. at WrestleMania. That might be it, so honestly. I, I, doing- I, was, I was of the mind. I was like, I don't think you could have everybody at WrestleMania in one night. Uh, it, I, I mean, some of the recommendations are like, don't go to groups of more than 10 people. Mm-hmm. So there's that. So maybe that's the reasoning behind it. Maybe they're just like, well, fuck it. We don't have to worry about a live audience, so we don't have to get these people to shill out money for this huge event. So we might as well just split it up and do whatever. Uh, I don't know. And then on top of all of that, Chris found out very early this morning about the news that's been going around about a certain series is going to be. <laughs> Apparently, Bleach is coming back. Well, a Bleach anime is coming back. They finally got that uh, that anime for the final arc, the Thousand Year Blood War. Uh, shows me from saying, like, no, all the rumors are, are not true. You know, the ones going back four years ago uh, that turned out to not be true. It's, it's, what a fool I am. For <laughs> it was never... I Whatever. But... I don't really care about that, honestly, because I'm not going to watch the anime anyway. That's my policy on anime is I don't watch it if I don't think I'm going to enjoy it. But in terms of manga, uh, there's no new Bleach manga, but we are getting more Burn the Witch. Fuck, it's running and jump. God damn it. <laughs> now, to be fair, it is ve- it is stressed that it is going to be very limited and it may only be a handful of chapters long. 
So maybe it'll it was, be it like, was uh, like it was like it was an all you need is kill kind of thing. I it may even be shorter than that because Kubo had like a quote with the announcement that was like, "By the time you're reading the manga, I'll just be playing Animal Crossing." So cool. it may only be like four or five chapters long, and they're already done or something like that. So uh, who really knows? Uh, there's other big stuff. The Seven Deadly Sins is ending in like two weeks, I think it is. Samurai 8 is ending at like the exact same time. Mm -hmm. So presumably, uh, Zip Man's going to be ending like the week after or something like that. So, yeah, there is a lot of stuff going on all at once. The Samurai 8 fans on Twitter have said that there's way too much left to explore. It can't possibly be ending. Chris, I know you're making a joke, but... Is that also true? <laughs> no, that is actually true. Really? <laughs> there's a lot of there is a lot of Samurai fans who are adamant that they're like, no, this is Where have just they the been? beginning. Where have they been? <laughs> all around us. Obviously us. not reading it. <laughs> inside all of us, Nick. That's where they've been. Um, no, see, what we don't realize is that actually um, we are all the reincarnation of the Samurai 8 fans. And uh, what you've just been seeing is the Samurai fan in all of us. But you need to actually be seeing us for us instead. Yeah. And uh, anyway, here is the god of this world who is also a computer program to explain more things. And uh, there we go. <laughs> Before we get into all that stuff, because we do have... Our usual chapters, Maya Seven Deadly Sins, which didn't get posted again. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be so weird if we have to wait like a month for the last chapter of Seven Deadly Sins to actually get put up for us to talk about. <laughs> anyway, we took a recommendation that we've been yes. reading through. And uh, this is going back a little ways, uh, back to the days of Toonami. Uh-huh. Uh, well, the original days of Tsunami. Tsunami is technically, I guess, still going on. I think. I think it's still going. Is it? Is it like a? It's. It, it did come back as like a chapter of Adult Swim, and I think that's maybe where it still it's, is at this it, point. It's, I think it's a late night uh, thing still. Yes. Uh, but anyway, um, back in that in the days of uh, Tsunami, one of the assorted anime that were brought over uh, and aired on your Cartoon Network or whatever the equivalent was TVs. Uh, was this series, Zatch Bell, which was known in the original Japanese as Konjiki no Gash, which means Golden Gash. Uh, and it is about a small boy who comes to Earth from the demon world. Uh, he can shoot lightning from his mouth if his new friend, uh, Kyo or Kiyomaru, I think that's his name, Kiyomaru, my mistake. Uh, if he recites a spell from this mysterious red book and uh, we find out quickly enough that a whole bunch of these demon children have come from the demon world and uh, they are being made to fight against each other uh, with the winner will become the new king of the demon world. And it is a battle series. It is a battle shonen uh, series ran from 2001 through 2007 so good th 300 chapter ish uh, series, 33 collected volumes uh, ran in Shonen Sunday, uh, which is the same manga that had uh, rather magazine. I should say that had uh, Ushio Totora, I think it was uh, Inuyasha was in there. So it's that one. Um, and uh, we read this series, Chris. Yes. 
took me a while to read it. It's it's a very long series. I don't think it'll take me very long to talk about it. And I don't mean this in a bad way, but it is a very repetitive series. Uh, it's a lot of stuff happens in it and there's a lot of characters, but it's a lot of the same things that happen and a lot of the same character development that happens over the course of it. Um, it's a straightforward, you know, shonen adventure series about learning to work together and learn to be a good person and mm-hmm. coming of age and small children that shoot lightning and boulders and fire at each other. You know, very typical. Yes. It's like Pokemon or Digimon, but without a serial plot. It's more of a monster of the week plot. Or the monsters are children. I was say, for the first third, that's the case. It does develop a plot around chapter 100. <laughs> and then it, it, it's a complicated thing. It is, it is an extremely complicated thing because the, the seeds were set for two major antagonists super early on in the series. Like when the, the first dozen chapters, I think both seeds are planted for I, both of those characters. Uh, and it's understandable we take some time because we do have to grow our cast from just Kiyomaru and Zatch. By the way, I'm going to call him Zatch during this because I watched it, and I'll, I'll talk about that later. You have Zatch, then they eventually have to meet Parko Felgore and Megami and Tio, and mm-hmm. eventually you meet uh, Schneider, and then he doesn't even have his bookmaster yet, and then there's a co- other couple other side characters. So there's there's what those ones to meet. And at the same time, you have to introduce Zatch to the larger world, have him and Keo have all these fights with different characters. Uh, and then uh, you meet Wanlei, and for about 30 chapters, fucking nothing happens and you should skip it. The moment you, the moment <laughs> you see Wanlei, you just you skip forward about 30 chapters and you were going to be much better off for it. <laughs> So that's a great review. You know, 10% of the series don't read it. <laughs> well, no. So here's the thing. I... I I need to, on the front, say that I have an extra special connection with this series. Really? I do not think I would be here today at at doing this podcast if it weren't for Zatch Bell. Because Zatch Bell was probably the first major manga anime property, whatever you want to say, that I really got into. I think I was into Zatch Bell before even One Piece, because I think I started to really get into One Piece a little bit later. Uh, some people know me from Dice Funk, uh, which is where we do tabletop role playing, and I've been doing tabletop role like RPGs for years now. My first ever experience with role playing was on the TV.com forums for Zatch Bell, where we TV. all play. I it, it there's going to be some people out there who are going to be like, I know that shit, and I. I feel you with my heart, each and every one of you. You can't find it now. It's it's completely different now. But that's where I got started. It was the first place I ever did any kind of role-playing in. And it was for Zatch Bell. And it kind of continued on from there. Eventually grew into a separate form where I played a ton of different Zatch Bell role-playing games. Stuff like that. And continued on from there. I think the, the Zatch Bell universe was something I really, really got into for an extraordinarily long part of time. And that's what kind of got me started in role-playing on forums, which eventually led me to doing the One Piece forums, which eventually kind of got me into trying tabletop Dungeons & Dragons, which eventually kind of spirals 
forward and forward more and more. And I think there's a large part of me that has a very special fondness for Zatch Bell because it was the first property that I really got into. It's not the first one I ever watched. There's plenty of others I watched before it, but never to the extent that right. Zatch I, Bell I, I, I know how I know that you're the same age as me, so I know which one you you watch, which ones you could have watched, basically. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, like we reference Jackie Chan Adventures and mm. uh, Shaolin Showdown all the fucking time. Like Zatch Bell was right in that time frame a little bit later but it was right bit, in yes. that kind of area where like we make references to those because those were such a fundamental part of us growing up and zatch bell was one of those pieces for me where i watched it all the time and i super enjoyed the series and there's 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 even one chapter i or i guess episode i should say it was several chapters in the manga but one episode evolving a character <laughs> that has like stuck to my core and even rereading it again starts to get me a little misty-eyed for him. Just like, he healed it before he had to go back to the demon world so he could go back <laughs> like a brown, like a noble warrior. Mr. Gold! I, I do want to say, like, I mean, I did sound kind of dismissive when I was talking about it. It's like, it's very repetitive. But that said, having the structure that... Uh, that the series does where, you know, it's very episodic. There are about three ish chapters dedicated to each of these early fights for the good first, you know, third of the series. Uh, there are some really good little stories that are told in there. Some of the fights are interesting because there are this balance between that typical, you know, shonen, uh, you know, determination, uh, with a bit of strategy because uh, Zatch is, you know, this impulsive kid. He was a lot more thoughtful uh, and intelligent and strategic. And also there is, of course, cooperation between them because they have to work together. You've talked uh, in the past about uh, the series Double Arts uh -huh. that was done by uh, Kominoshi, the author of Nisekoi, and the unique... Uh, way that the fights had to be structured because the characters had to be touching in order for them to be able to, to battle. Uh, and this is similar in that regard. It's like all the fights, because the core of the series is built around, there's a demon child with all of the abilities and then a human partner who recites the spell that lets them un uh, use their abilities. All the fights are, with a few exceptions of some very bizarre circumstances, are built around these two-on-two -two battles. Yes. Uh, you know, you have to have the two of them working together. And so each of the fights are, are two heroes doing something. Either they have to learn to work together at the beginning or they grow to trust each other more. And so they get more competent at fighting together uh, or, you know, they just kind of both sync up and you get some really satisfying things that happen as they're working together, including some very creative and very cartoonish things that they do where like at one point, literally uh, Kiyomaro is, you know, who is this blanky teenager is riding around on Gash's shoulders and Gash is this small child, despite, but he's also, you know, got super strength and stuff. So this is weird cherry thing that they do so that they can get close to the enemy and stuff. Um, and at the same time as, you know, having these creative battles, there is usually either like a lesson to be learned or, uh, a connection to be made, uh, with the opponent, because this is a story that is very much about 
bonds forming between people, particularly young people. Mm. Um, and it is a theme that is strong and carried through throughout. And it the basically the entire epitome of the series comes down to people need to work together in order to succeed. Uh, and so there are some people who basically the fights go one of two ways, either, uh, Gash and Kiyomaru and develop some sort of bond with their opponents who they end up having to send back to the demon world or their enemy is a complete and total monster douchebag. <laughs> there, there is no in between. <laughs> there are a few that are kind of like, you know, like the, the more dark and broody sort of type, but you know, there are the ones that they befriend and then the ones that they don't befriend are just assholes. So. <laughs> it's it's a weird thing because so much of the, the story is built upon the idea that it's a hundred children who are sent to the mm -hmm. human world. So a lot of the kids kind of are given very evil personalities. Yes. Like if, if, if they aren't just kids, they have to be given like explicitly kind of overtly evil mm -hmm. like mustache villain kind of like evil personalities and then generally when it comes time to confront them it's time to kind of introduce like a human side to them because i know all of his spells shoot lightning nick but that's his true power is empathy because that's pretty much how he beats a lot of his opponents is he he feels really bad for them and expresses his, like, agreement that he's like, that sounds awful, and I would be your friend in the demon world, or I wouldn't let these things happen to you. And that ends up winning him probably about half, <laughs> half the fights in the series. <laughs> like, he, he wins a lot of fights just by being able to empathize with his opponents. And it's interesting, because the start yeah. of the series, that doesn't happen at all. Every fucking person he meets is, like, a bank robber who just got handed, like, a freeze gun, and he's like, ah, ha, 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 I shall destroy everything! And then the child will also be evil. Right. Um, uh, um, I mean, there's some variations even early on, where, like, you know, the, the child is evil, but the human is good, or vice versa. Um, the one that the first one that really got me, uh, was with the, uh, uh, Kuroro, Kuroro, the, uh, girl who she's given the evil personality because she's not suited to fighting. And that was just so heartbreaking because like, uh, the human, her who finds her is this girl who doesn't, who's very distant from her parents because they're always just like, just write stuff on the whiteboard. If you need something from us, you don't need us to, to feel our love. Fuck you. Or something. I don't know. They're very weird. Um, but she ends up taking this girl who she doesn't know is a demon in, and they basically become sisters in the short span of time before, uh, you know, the spells get, start getting recited. Carrero starts taking on this monstrous form that she was given because she's not suited to fighting. Uh, and Gash takes great sympathy on her because she knows, he knows how much they care about each other and that they're not bad people. And uh, then at the end, he's like, I don't want to have to, you know, do anything bad to her, you know. Uh, so so the crow is just like, if you don't, you know, 
get rid of me, then I'm going to turn into a monster and I'm going to hurt people and I don't want that. And so uh, Kiyomaro is like, hey, Gash, look, there's something wrong with her book. And so Gash takes a close look at the book and then Kiyomaro recites the lightning shooting spell and destroys it while Gash isn't expecting it. And it's like it's the merciful thing to do uh, in that circumstance. It's like it's but it's really heartbreaking because like you're tearing apart this family now and Gash who is, you know, the more naive, more innocent one was like, no, I don't want to have to do the hard thing that is the right thing to do. And so Q had to be the more grown up one and do that and force this kid to do that, too. So, it, I mean, it really got me when that one happened. Uh, and there are a fair number of examples of that, of like, hey, there's just this like really strong emotional story that's going on uh, with this. And. So despite the fact that there's a lot of this of stuff that just kind of keeps happening, it keeps happening, keeps happening, and not a lot of it is really built up to uh, some of it is still very powerful short stories. I, I love it. There's there's a lot of things and mechanics to the Zatchbro world, and I think that's probably why I got so attached to it, because everything sort of tends to make sense in its way. Uh, it's one thing. It's a, a series with proxy battles where the humans are actually just as much of a part of it as anyone else. More often than mm. not, the humans are the ones kind of really throwing themselves in some pretty crazy, dangerous situations, so that they can get the book or protect their 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 demon or whatever. They they are often Tim's taking as much damage as everybody else. The way books work, where the moment a book catches fire, it can't be put out. That that's that's the death nail. And until the book burns out, the demon still has a chance to say goodbye, which leads to some heartbreaking moments, but also provides an opportunity to establish the ruthlessness of some villains where they'll mm -hmm. attack the book a second time to destroy it. Like they've already won. It was just a moment to say, like, I have no I have no interest in letting you say goodbye to your best friend. Fuck off. And die. <laughs> it's like press circle to skip. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and the way that the books work by, you know, having these strong emotions, unlock new spells that enable you to kind of like do different things. I mean, I think I'm sure we've mentioned it a dozen times to talk about Black Clover before, where it's just like in that series, the same sort of principle applies, but like the yes. spells don't really have any kind of like tangible sort of like gradual upkeep to them or anything like that it's like they really go back to old spells it's sort of just like ah, i have a new spell now i'm gonna use this yeah things like that when and also like the idea of mana well i don't think it's actually specifically called mana but a finite heart, heart power basically right but even as as like as determined as you can be, there is a finite amount you can use magic while calling upon your emotions. Unless you experience some great emotional change in mid-battle, you're starting off with a finite energy resource and it gets depleted. Whereas like in Black Clover, it's just like, we were out of mana. Now we didn't. <laughs> and, and to be fair, look, I, I, I have a ton of respect for this series. I, I'm not... I'm not immune to its flaws, though, and it, it, it runs no. into a lot of them, and I think it, it honestly, it suffers from the flaws I think a lot of long-running Shonen series have, where as it goes along, things just kind of escalate larger and larger, mm -hmm. and more plot points need to be coming, and it starts to become less of an intimate setting, maybe, and then it just kind of ends. Um, <laughs> and, and, like, a part of it is, like, 
we mentioned the first hundred chapters, there really is no overarching plot. You get at most maybe three chapter long stories and then that'll end and they'll start up a new one. There's every so often there's a thread kind of connecting between them, but it's not until the Zophis arc re really starts around chapter 100 or so that it's like, OK, now there's a plot. And I was like, these first hundred chapters are so weirdly paced because mm. And it's not that I think the series has a problem with pacing. I think when it knows what it's doing, Zatch Bell was very well paced. It just took way too long to start actually doing it. When you're like a hundred chapters in, here's our first exhausting. major antagonist. Yeah. Like rarely when I was reading the beginning of this series, did I think like this is, you know, not good. I thought that despite the fact that the small comedic moments that happen in the series tend to be pretty good. When it's just a pure comedy chapter, that's when I was like, oh, this is not, no, like when um, I keep forgetting his name, but the duck face character, Kianchime, uh, I'd see, yeah. I don't remember what his actual name is. I remember so many of the characters of this and I was like, the moment here's Nick, here's some little tidbits for you. Right. I was like, oh, I can't wait until Parco Falgore shows up. Didn't get to his chapters yet. I was like, I can't wait till Parco Falgore shows up. Don't know how to change the oil in my car, but I remember Parco Falgore shows up. And I, I, there was the moment where he has like the side story where Kanchime is like the older brother for some little girl. And I was like, huh, why do I get the feeling we see <laughs> Parco Falgore's butt somewhere during this arc? <laughs> And then eventually happened. Exactly. I was like, "Why did I remember that?" <laughs> over so many. Lost a bit of an impression on you, did it, Chris? <laughs> over so many features about my life, I've forgotten over the years. But for some reason, the moment see I saw this, butt. I'm sure of I this. I was like, "Why do I get the feeling the back of his pants get blown off?" We see his butt for a bit. <laughs> uh, yeah. Whenever they showed up, I was just like, "No, please, no." <laughs> so. They are great. They look. No. They're they're bad for a bit, but Kanchame eventually wins you over, and he's absolutely fucking stellar to the uh story cancer that is Momo and whatever the fuck his book holder is. <laughs> there was a moment when Momo showed up that I was like, I didn't watch the series long enough to get to you. When does your book get burned? <laughs> and I skipped forward to that chapter so I could watch his book get burned. And I was like, <laughs> good, good. You're out of here. Good. Uh, um, the part that got frustrating to me in terms of comic relief was um, Susan A or Susie. Because mm -hmm. just like she's just an idiot. It's like they keep on kind of implying that it's like, oh, she has a good heart, though. But it's like. There are so many moments, though, where it's just like you expect her to like do something because like, oh, she has such a good heart, but she's just, you know, helplessly stupid and has no sense of direction. And then it just like keeps on happening where she's just like incompetent, where like she gets uh, captured or she tries to help uh, find something, but she gets lost or some other thing. And it just keeps on happening. And I'm like. God, why does she keep on showing up if she's just going to be used for this? And it gets it's something that's like it keeps on going on for too long. It's, um, it's kind of sad, too, because you at least get the idea. I mean, it's it's very clearly established that she definitely has feelings for Keo mm -hmm. and she is pretty bad at expressing them. But she's she's mm -hmm. trying 
and then the series ends and she it kind of just doesn't just get doesn't resolved. Do like in the final chapters, I don't think you see her really. The final chapter is all about because spoilers, they win. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> um, so Zatch ends up becoming the new demon king and the final chapter is he has to go back to the demon world now and they aren't really going to be able to ever see each other again. Uh, you know, that's the tragedy of the series is that they don't die, but they are separated from their human partners. So any character that you bond with and it's, you know, they're very sad because this person that they've developed this close uh, friendship with, which the longer that they survive in the tournament, the longer and closer they get to their partner, uh, that's torn apart. Yes. Uh, and so that's the big sadness that you have to face in this. And it keeps on happening to everyone. You know, only one person can win the Christmas ball, Chris. Uh -huh. And you have to see everyone else have their heart broken. <laughs> and so just, and just like in that series, the final opponent is extremely underwhelming. Yeah. Well, to getting the Christmas ball, <laughs> that's the most disappointing part. Yes. Yeah. Then there's the whole other thing beyond the end, which is just like, well, why did you do this? <laughs> um, Anyway, uh, the silver lining for them is that Gash is, becomes the king and everyone's put their faith in him because they know that he'll be a kind-hearted king. And then, you know, this kind of horrible suffering, they're not going to have to suffer underneath him. And Gash has all these new responsibilities guys got to learn and so on and so forth. And they are given a chance to send letters to their human partners from the demon world. And so he sends this letter to, you know, just letting uh, Kiyomaru know, like, hey, here's what I've been up to. I miss you. Um, this is what this character's up to. This is what this character's up to. And then he gives this thing where he's like, I think that the reason we have this, you know, tournament every thousand years, I think it is, is so that, you know, we can learn the things that I have learned from this. And I think that if we are able to, you know, take these lessons with us into the future, then we'll be able to create a better world. And Hey, maybe one day we'll be able to see each other again. Mm -hmm. And we see that all of the demons that you've seen throughout the series have sent letters to their human partners. And, you know, so people all over the world are getting these letters from them that you get to see, you know, these, all these various characters you've seen over the, over the past 300 chapters, including Mr. There. Gold from Danny. Yep. Um, and so many names blend together. So sorry. But, um, but of course, uh, Susan made or Susie, whatever you want to call her, um, didn't have a demon child partner. So she does not get a word in this entire thing when she was like the third most important character in the opening chapter. And she stuck around through basically the whole thing. Just, you know, she would go away at certain points. And it's a little bit weird that it's like, you know, this because when Gash first shows up, his whole thing is like, your father found me and he asked me to come to you and, you know, teach you lessons about getting along with people. And because Kiyomaru is this huge shut in because, you know, people ostracize him because he's smarter than them and stuff. And he learns to be a more social over the course of the series. Uh, but Susie's like his first friend because she's got a crush on him. And uh, so that's why she keeps on showing up as the damsel in distress for all this stuff. And she does show up in the second to last chapter when they all graduate. Um, nothing really happens. She's just kind of also there. Yeah. So like so. There, there's 
an element there where and it's, it kind of gets its own chapter where our main female lead would eventually become Megumi, who has a demon partner, and they're probably like the primary mm-hmm. partner for Kiyo right. and Zatch. And they eventually kind of... Yeah, but they eventually kind of suggest that Megumi either has feelings for Kyo or is just cool fucking with Susie in one of the worst <laughs> chapters where she just, she definitely 100% sees that Susie has a thing for Kyo and then keeps pushing on that her and Kyo have something special in front of Susie. And oh, you're man. like, why? <laughs> We're going to have this big climactic battle and then I'm just going to ride him and <laughs> I'll tape it and send it to you. <laughs> you know what? People are saying I, Sherry also, I guess, would be considered a mean female lead. Uh, I guess I'm less so in terms of like, you know, female leads, love interests, all that. I just think it's weird to have a character there from the beginning and then just kind of put them aside. So. Yeah, well, that's the thing. It's just like it would be different because we do get to see a little bit into the future. We do know hey, this is Kiyomaru now in his next step of his career. And, I don't know, it could have been something where it's like, oh, I've got a, I've got that date with Susie I've got to get to, or something like that. Or and just... any, because they mentioned, like, they're all going, like, Kiyo and his small circle of friends that he's made comment, like, oh, you know, we're graduating middle school, we're going to the next step of our lives, and we're all going to different schools, so, you know, that's kind of it. But, and, you know, that's part of life, sure, but it's weird to just kind of like say like, yeah, so I'm here now. Yeah, it, it, I don't know. look, but that that said, I feel like I, part of me has to feel like maybe this was series that really didn't want to get into romantic stuff a lot because outside and of like fine. Wan yeah. Lei and Lee, whatever her name is. <laughs> Uh, the characters who don't matter and shouldn't have been in there. Uh, outside of them, there really isn't like a strong romantic core to any of the series. Right, that's like, not the point of it. It's yeah. about growing up. So, so it's it's like it's not a series that I'm like, oh, well, this just lacks an emotional core to know how to tell a story like that. It's like, no, I think it's capable. I think maybe just between the seventeen thousand fucking characters, eventually yes. they just got to a point where like oh, I don't have time for Susie. <laughs> I just got a rotor off. I need to draw Barry again. <laughs> just like Alright, fine, I guess. Alright, gonna have him go into space and have a giant lightning dragon eat them. <laughs> um I did not watch uh, Zatch Bell when it was uh, airing on Cartoon Network. I did catch a few episodes though, and let me tell you um, when those moments happened in the manga, I was like, oh, I remember how this goes. Like, there is something that it, that leaves a really heavy impact uh, in terms of how recognizable some of the characters are and how the fights play out that I'm like, like, uh, I forget the name of the villains that they fight in, like, the 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 cold storage room. Oh, the, uh, Robos. Yeah. God, why um, do I remember this? <laughs> I don't know, dude. So, I mean, you were watching this while I was watching Avatar The Last Airbender. So, <laughs> yeah, which one of so us if, really if you ask me, what ha- If you ask me about certain characters from that, I'm just like, oh, yeah, you know, Serena Williams played the guard who freed Iroh. 
who uh, didn't free Ira, but uh, who was giving Ira his food and that he told to stay away because he didn't want to hurt her when he broke out. <laughs> but uh, anyway, um, when that when it got to that fight, I had seen that episode back in you know, 2005 or whatever. And so I'm like, oh, I remember exactly how this goes, despite the fact that I watched like maybe one other episode of the series back then. Uh, and I saw that episode exactly once. And yet I remember like, oh, yeah, there is like a second one of them and they bond into a bigger version of them. And they, the, you know, they use the reflective surfaces in the refrigeration room in order to bounce the lasers around. So I remembered all of those details. So I think that there's something definitely to be said for how big an impact something like that can make, uh, on a guy who, you know, wasn't really invested in the series, but still remembered all that stuff from one time having seen it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, that's the thing I guess I would say about this is that I think that we read it the wrong way. Um, I feel as though this would definitely have been a more fun series to read week to week. Um, and just, you know, see like, you know, what's happening in the next chapter and stuff like that. Uh, particularly in the, part of the chunk of the series where it's just like short battle, short battle, short battle, short battle, short battle. Cause it gets exhausting to read it all in a row. Mm. Um, so I don't know if I would actually recommend that, uh, you read it the way that I read it, but if you read it a little bit at a time, then I think that, uh, it would probably be enjoyable. It's a very simple series with simple, but recognizable characters. Um, but it's done still quite well. Uh, it's, I think also a good series for like really young people to get into because uh, it's very just, you know, this is what growing up is about. This is why it's important to make friends and that kind of thing. Um, and it's also very, you know, upbeat and kind of Pokemon-y. So. Uh, I really, so I, I really, really enjoyed this series. Uh, rereading it again, it has flaws. Um, it, it's amusing to me. This series is written by an adult who very much has the humor of a child, which I absolutely share that same feeling. One of my favorite jokes is when, uh, Professor Riddle is like, don't worry, I have the psychic 12 here to help me. And only big boing shows up and Kiyomaru's like, well, that's not going to help. Wait, maybe she has a secret power. What's she going to do? And she just starts karate chopping her breasts. <laughs> So they bounce up and down, and all the villains are like, it's kind of hot, and then they get beat, basically. <laughs> it's so stupid. It's all so very dumb, but I love it. And there's so many just super powerful emotional moments. There's one chapter that almost got me to tears. Just re It's not even a chapter where someone loses. It's the chapter with Schneider, where uh, Ponygon, for everybody else, or Umagon, I guess some people call him. <laughs> I call him by his real name. And uh, Schneider is 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 like calling out for his his fucking his bookmaster on the the cliffs, and they're in a bad situation. Keo's just like, look, just go. I know why you hate me. You're friends with Zatch. I'm Zatch's bookholder. I keep putting him all these fights. Go and protect yourself. I'm so proud of you for coming this far with us. I know you hate fighting. And at the end of the chapter, you see fucking. Schneider come back in and he has his fucking bookmaster with him and it's such a fucking awesome moment, man! I fucking love Sunbeam! <laughs> that was another one! The, like, the, the, These like, fucking names. The, the first time I saw him, I was like, fuck yeah, that's Sunbeam. I didn't have to see his name. I was like, I don't know why this has been <laughs> drilled into my core, but... 
Look, yeah, Sunbeam's here. Groovy. And I don't know. I love oh. it. Like, they, 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 they have so many of these great emotional moments. There's a, an awesome chapter where three characters basically have zero power left and a big opponent comes at them. Granted, he's an idiot. But a big dangerous <laughs> opponent comes. There's a and, lot of idiots in this series, and, so. and and they have to use trickery between all of them to basically figure out a way to trick this guy and beat him, or else they'll lose. And it's it's such a great moment of seeing three characters with like zero resources finding a way to just barely escape this fight. And I, I, there's 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 just so many great moments like that. Um, I I I really did get. I did enjoy getting to see and and experience more of this series than I ever had because I never even experienced the end of the Zophis arc watching it as a kid. Mm. This series actually has an extremely troubled history in America. Uh, not only was the anime canceled, the manga was canceled before with only the last volume left to be translated. Jeez. So you just didn't get the last one, basically. Oh man! Uh, so I, I really appreciated getting to to experience that. There's so many fun moments. There's so many bits that are just emotional. Pretty much any chapter where uh, a character you know's book starts to burn is going to be one that's going to get you some emotion out of it, and uh, it's 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 really satisfying. I love getting to see all the characters eventually grow and change, and. I enjoy the humor for what it is. At times I recognize I'm like, well, this is absurd and stupid and very dumb. But then there's sometimes where I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. This is the funniest goddamn thing I've seen all week. Like, uh, I think maybe the funniest moment for me is when they're fighting Victream, who is a big giant V who can separate his head from his body. And they they trick him. They have Consummate turned into his bottom half. So he locks back in. He's like, why can't I control my body? Why does my body hurt so much? And he just turns and you see Tio, Zatch, and Schneider just punching his torso <laughs> off to the side. Just fucking curb stopping it. And it's like, you know what? It's great. Um, I, I supremely enjoy this series. I highly recommend it for anybody who's really into just watching like uh, wants kind of to see a really good shonen manga for that time, especially a non jump manga. I think if you're looking mm -hmm. for something like that, this is a really high recommendation. There's too many like moments for me to kind of even call out, but I, I really loved it. Uh, Mr. Golden Danny are the best characters. I do wonder if part of that, uh, canceled release has to do with, so I, did, I was doing some research before we recorded about uh, the author. Apparently, the, the fucking sued um, the company that uh, the publisher um, because they had somehow lost five uh, works that he had done for them. And so he you know, wanted a bunch of money as compensation. And also he had been treated pretty badly by the publisher for a while. Uh, and so they took it to court and ended up being told by a judge to settle. And after that, um, he said that he was never going to work with uh, Shugaku-kan again. Uh, and that happened less than a year after the manga was finished being published in the magazine. Uh, so I wonder if that has to do with uh, them being like, OK, well, there's some problems in terms of, uh, you know, the rights to uh, sell these to uh, translators and stuff. So, yeah, I would be shocked if that's the case. I mean, even thinking about it, I'm trying to think if I've seen 
did he like release? I, I guess he has released other work since. I've just never heard of any. Yeah, he's just you know doing doing it for other uh, magazines instead of uh, Shonen Sunday. So it might be a matter of like while the property was like in dispute. Or not even the property, but in terms of like there was, you know, between the creator and the publisher, there was a dispute going on. So maybe they're like, oh, well, we don't want to, you know, sell this or anything because we get then we'd have to give money to this guy and we don't like him anymore because he doesn't like us anymore. So I don't know. It might be a matter of like if that hadn't happened, then maybe Zatch Bell would also be bigger in terms of uh, having an audience over here because you might have gotten more of it or gotten more tie-ins and stuff. So it would have. Yeah, it's it's disappointing because I, I do. I feel like this is a series that people generally know if you say it, but I feel like not many yes. people know a whole lot about it either. So I I I definitely uh, want to stress that if this is something you haven't read, to give it a try. I know it's not going to be for everyone, because as I said, the level of humor is an adult who very much finds what seven-year-olds find funny hilarious <laughs> and writes it with that attitude. But that said, it's still I think one of the best like emotional kind of series out there. Okay. All right. With that done, we got some other manga to talk about, Chris. Yeah, so let's talk about one of them. Let's talk about just one. one of them. Just one. Just one. Just one. Um, 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 um. <laughs> All right, Zip Man it is. And then we'll oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's begin with My Hero Academia, chapter 264. Uh, where is it? One's Justice. I've got that game. <laughs> well, I've got the second one. True to my word, I have gotten really good at Jiro since there I got it. Go. So, yeah. How annoying would it be if Jiro was like a super complicated character? They're like, well, you need oh, to. Like, How do I do these? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, like I, I've tried playing some because basically um, when I looked up some more stuff, because I didn't play the first game, but I looked into it and basically it seems as though they put in like a they basically should have just like released this as like an expansion to the first one. It seems like because all the characters that were in the first one are also in this one. And from what I understand, it seems like none of them have been changed at all. <laughs> I think that's how the uh, Naruto Ninja games were as well. I recall like one of those coming out. So that's why and, like zero change between them, but they still make money. Well, it's the same uh, creators of the games. So but still a lot of fun to play. Uh, but like I've tried playing out various different characters and some of them are like really weird. Like you get you can play a certain night eye in it. And of course, they have to do a thing to try and incorporate his foresight in the game. And it's really weird. You have to like use it as like a counter to an attack. And then it does like a Sharingan thing where it shows you what the opponent's doing a split second before their character is allowed to move and do it. And that lasts for several seconds. And that's it. <laughs> It's really weird. Anyway, uh, talking about the actual chapter of my hero, uh, lots of crowdfighting in this. We see uh, news of the invasion of heroes being delivered to Redestro, who immediately stresses the fuck out. So that's going to be interesting to see him do that. Um, then there's a lot of different heroes who use crowd control stuff. So Edshot puts tiny holes in everyone's lungs. Seems very extreme. Uh, it's also like, it's like, is that, is that real? Is that, is that how that works? If you just puncture small 
holes I in don't... everyone's lungs. Those will just naturally heal over the course of like an hour with no danger posed within it. I guess if you make them small enough. But I don't know. Uh, Midnight puts a bunch of them to sleep. Comedy Woods does some stuff. Uh, some class 1B students chip in. Uh, and then we cut to the actual important stuff that happens in the chapter, where, of course, at the end of the previous of last week, uh, Hawk Hawks had cornered twice, had a whole bunch of his feathers pinning him down. And so he says, like, the, you were a really big threat here because I had to keep an eye on you and your double ability. I couldn't leave you to your own devices. So that's why I called you here to, quote unquote, go over liberation ideology. Um and so he's like, hey, listen, don't don't resist. I've got to turn you into the authorities. And twice starts to freak out because he remembers having led Chisaki into the meeting with everyone. Uh, and of course, him killing Mag and uh, taking Mr. Compress's arm. Uh, and he's like, why? You know, I made the same mistake again. He, this guy got me, you know, to trust him. Why? Why did this happen again? And he's like, I I felt like I had to because I felt bad for you after what you told me. And he remembers being told, like, you've got to find someone you can trust again. And he's like, why is well, this is awful? You know what? How sad is it if nobody trusts you? And Hawks is just like, yeah, thanks. <laughs> but I mean, he's a little bit sympathetic to him. But I think that the idea of what's going on here and now that I think of it, it's actually really well done. If this is the case, because from Twice's perspective, you see Hawk staring down at him. You can't see his expression. You just see his eyes staring down at Twice. In side views, you see Hawk saying stuff like, hey, listen, you're a good person and you've been unlucky. But once you pay for your crimes, you can start over. I'll help you start over. But every time you see Twice's view of Hawks, he's just this, you know, dead faced evil looking man who's looking down at him. Um, so Hawks has him cornered and twice. It's just like you call yourself a hero. This is all a load of crap. Hawks tries to, you know, talk him down. But twice just says, I don't care what happens to me. I would give my life for the league's happiness. And so he tears half of his mask off. He's got tears streaming down his face and he does his sad man's parade of a whole bunch of his doubles are summoned all at once. And Hawks just kind of looks at him sadly. And then on, on the very last page, we see, I'm guessing this is Dobby's thoughts, because that's the person we see, which is twice. This isn't your this isn't your fault. As always, scummy heroes are to blame. And he is rushing up the steps of this collapsing building while he's got this insane looking grin on his face. Yeah, he's doing, uh, I believe the kids call it a, a, a gay ho. A gay ho. A gay ho. Okay. <laughs> okay. okay. Yeah, he's doing that basically. Uh, no. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, you know, I like this chapter. I, it's it's a very complicated relationship, but I do enjoy it. Like, there's a level where you you kind of want to hate Hawks because you're like you twice as the member of the villain of like the League of Villains you really like, the one you kind of feel mm. really bad for. The comic relief. He's the got the most sympathetic backstory. Yeah, but at the same time, 
it's completely understandable that Hawks has to go to these extreme measures because twice is so absurdly dangerous as a metahuman. That and unstable. Really, that you, so. you can't do anything else but kind of put him in a super awkward position. So you kind of see it from both sides. And, man, you feel bad for Hawks. He really gets the, the shit end of every fucking deal. He always has to do the worst, most unpleasant part of everything. Mm-hmm. I guess that's so, why they call him number two. Boom. Hit the, hit, the, hit the symbol, I'm out, Nick. Good luck with the rest of the podcast. And Endeavor's number one because he pissed all over his family. Oh, all right. Now you hit your symbol. We'll both head out. Tink. All right. Bye, everybody. That's the podcast. Woo. Just scoot out. <laughs> can't see us now, right? That so we want to talk about now. Let's talk about wrestling. Yeah, but we always do that on the podcast anyway. Oh, let's just do that on the podcast then. Let's just do that on the podcast All then. Right. All right. Next up, Actage Scene 105, Side B. Um, oh, wow. Chiyoko's acting so good. Performance of this play is so good. Um, so... We see more people reacting to what's going on. Ricky is Ricky indicates, you know, they're doing a better job of carrying the plot than we did. They're doing this play justice in a way that we didn't. Uh, Hanako is reacting to, uh, you know, this as well. And Ricky's thinking to himself as he looks there is like, if you want people to grow, anger and hate aren't the best methods. Um, but also Ricky thinks to himself. Because, of course, there's the controversy that was stirred up after he, you know, put his hands on uh, on Kay. He's like, I guess I'm not going to get a chance to work with Kuriyama after all. So too bad. Um, so it's nice that, hey, you know, we're going over again, like consequences that would be suffered from what happened in the previous performance. Uh, we get to the point where there's the group battle with Princess Iron Fan and the play itself which is now coming to a close. She is now meant to quell the flames of raging over the mountain. So this one was a lot more condensed than the first performance, which is a good idea because we'd be seeing the whole thing over again. So sure. Just highlight the changes, the different, or rather the differences that are between a group and B group. Sure. Good with that. Uh, so she lifts up the fan the same way that Kay did. And everyone's like, you know, this is it, you know, no, two things will be decided simultaneously in this moment. Our defeat and the criticism aimed at Ogami, Ricky. And uh, so the glasses guy, the older actor whose name escapes me at this moment, he's like, I wasn't able to save him uh, this time. But Iwao, as the Monkey King, does the same thing that Ricky did in the previous performance. He stops Chiyoko from swinging the fan down. And then he grins, kind of you know, smirks down at her. And Ricky looks at him and he's like, he's acting as the Ox King right now. Uh, so Chiyoko collapses the same way that Kay did and never realizes, oh my God, they are doing the exact same thing that we did in a mistake and are just rolling that into their interpretation of the play. So Kuriyama, with one of his many plotting evil behind the scenes speeches, says... Sun Wukong, you understand. You've confronted and witnessed 
both faces of Princess Iron Fan. No amount of fighting will change your feelings for the man that you love. And so everyone's like, oh, my God, this is, you know, they're doing this deliberately. Got to a flashback of Kuroyama. And this was the thing that everyone was upset with him about uh, that we saw earlier. This was the thing he changed on the fly, which was this is what I want us to do. Um, so Iwao says, so you're asking us to ignore the script and fudge it to match them. And Kuroyama says, no, I think it's what Sun Wukong would do. And so they're like, all right. Uh, all right. It's the last one that they asked about it. And he's like, hmm. All right. What are you what are you planning? You know, so. Again, Kuriyama like delivers his little like, you know, speech and he's like, you know, it's easy when you call yourself a director because you can send actors out and or to, you know, in a boat made of mud to serve your own ego. But the important part is what follows. Can we actually envision their safe passage to the other side? The real demon that Hanako needs to face isn't some enemy she concocted or the flames inside of her. Instead, you need to forgive yourself for loving those things. Princess Iron Fan isn't about anger. It's the story of a woman who can't accept her own feelings and gets a push from the Monkey King. It's a story of redemption. And in that moment, Shioko swings the fan and ends the play. Everyone stands up and applauds and stuff like that. Hanako is sitting in the audience stunned. Uh, producer is like, God damn it, I guess I have to thank him now because he actually did some good stuff for me. Fuck him. And Kuroyama's like, all right. <sighs> Day's job's done, and we'll refine this more tomorrow. And that's the end of the chapter's case, kind of like looking on at everything. So I thought this was actually a quite... You know, all right, everything comes together in this. And it's like, all right, I, I can appreciate this. You know, for once, there's not like a thing like... uh. You know, I don't know. This is weird or anything like that. And this is, I think, where Actage tends to be its strongest when it's like you see everything come together that's been building up over the past few weeks. Um, and I think that when, if I remember correctly, when we were talked about the group A's performance, we didn't really have that. But this is like the actual conclusion uh, now built, that was building off of that anyway. So I'm liking it more now in reflection than I did going through it. So. Yeah, I like this chapter a lot. I like seeing that they, they mirror the same thing, because on one hand, it allows Kuriyama to show and, I guess, use, uh, um, what would you fucking call it, the, the, the acting style? Can't remember it anymore. Anyway, it's a way for him to use it to actually, like, help people, as opposed mm -hmm. to, like, I'll just constantly dig into their worst parts. To I'll like, make you feel something <laughs> yeah. and then you'll solve my emotional problems. Like, it was a way for it to be like, hey, other director, you need to Anaka. forgive yourself. I don't care what her name is. You need to forgive yourself. Glasses girl. <laughs> Thank you. I have to understand. I don't care about most of these characters' names. They're not Parco Felgore. They're not Parco Felgore. Uh, but I, I, you know, it's his way of saying like you need to let this go you need to forgive yourself for loving these things and I love how that's reflected in the play and out of it I like how this also presents an opportunity for uh, whatever you, Night A's group to do another show now and mm -hmm. surpass them like it keeps that rivalry between them it felt like a very effective way of keeping all the the plays in peace or the, all the pieces in play basically yeah 
so presumably um, we're going to get to see the makeup session uh, the K's group is going to do after this. And I do like that that's the twist on it because we kept on being built up as, oh, well, the first night's performance, that's the one that's going to get uploaded online. So that's the one that really matters because that's what we, you know, where the fans are going to decide it. But it's like, well, but if you're, you know, dedicated to who can actually execute it artistically the best, then just fucking keep going. Sure. Yeah. So I guess we'll see what's going to happen here. So this is definitely getting more interesting as it's going on. Uh, and uh, I guess we'll see where this goes. All right. Let's talk real quick about Eden Zero. Chapter 86. Easy attack. Uh <laughs> It's exactly that. They, they very yeah. easily handle every problem. Rebecca kind of notes, like, uh, okay, here's all the she things. Codes. Yeah, she's like, uh, she's going to turn into a slime and pretend to get captured. He's going to pretend to be knocked out and then turn invisible. He's going to self-destruct to become a computer virus that takes over the ship. And they use these I things. I do like that as she's saying this, the people who are pretending to be knocked out are kind of like... She explains all of the Elemental Four. She mentions, oh, hey, Jin's working with them. We do get a moment that because Sister and Moskoy are around when this news comes out, they're like, hey, Moskoy, you actually worked with this guy. What can you tell us about him? And Moskoy finally says shit that's not just Moskoy over and over. Uh, yeah. He basically is like, oh, well, uh, he doesn't have any weaknesses, but if I were to weigh in, he... He was working for Pseudo Sister because he had someone he wanted her to heal. So it's like, okay, cool. Now that we know that, we could exploit it. We could potentially turn him over to our side. They're like, all right, cool. So we we have a plan, uh, and their plan is to just drive straight into the base. Uh, they're when not going to try. Cheeky says, "I have a plan." I was just kind of like, "Do you? <laughs> or is your plan to be Cheeky?" <laughs> Yeah, And yes, that's basically what it is. Their plan is just to go straight in. Now that they know everything, they don't have to really worry about it. So they're going to break straight into the city. They're headed straight for Draca Joe. And Draca Joe just says, kill them all. Except number 30. Bum, 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 bum. Couple things. Uh, one, the shot of them crashing through the dome, I think is actually really cool looking. Um, when they just crash and they're while they're flying low over the city uh the other thing is that the most interesting that happens in this chapter is just that line by joe yeah where he says number 30 because of course if you recall he referred to rebecca as number 29 before she jumped back in time so you have to wonder okay one does that mean that this is like the 30th sequence of this and that this is not just the first time that uh, Rebecca has jumped back in time. That it's been happening. Secondly, why, if that's the case, why can she only remember it this time? And thirdly, how does Joe know that this is the 30th cycle? What, how does he have a means of determining that? And of course, this would also potentially imply that maybe that's the reason why Joe suddenly went out of character and, you know, fucked up Weiss and killed Shiki was to potentially provoke the emotional response in Rebecca necessary to get her to awaken her ability. Uh, so I'm not saying that this fixes the problems that we, you know, put forward in the last chapter and the one before that, but this could definitely make things more interesting than they appear to be. 
in those couple of weeks. So I am actually intrigued to see if that's the, the reveal that's coming, that Joe somehow has knowledge of these parallel timelines. And also there's that whole, you know, this is the 30th time that you have tried to do this kind of thing. And you failed the previous 29 times. So mm-hmm. we'll see. All right. Let's go into our newer series. Some of which are going to be going away soon. Uh, Mashal. Magic and Muscles Chapter 8. Chapter 8, Mash Vanded and the Challenging Magic User. So Mash has uh, some friends now. Uh, of course, he's been hanging out with Finn, but also he's got... Uh, oh, gosh, I've already forgotten his name, but apparently he's here now, so we might I might have to learn oh, eventually. Oh, was but it it's like Tom? Jack. It's something very simple, uh, yes, but I don't remember exactly what it is. Yeah, and also Lemon. Yeah. Lemon is there from the entrance exam. It's kind of weird because I was I was more surprised to see her than uh, Jock Boy because she hadn't actually shown up since the entrance exam. And now all of a sudden she's here. Um, but they're both trying to like getting it in his in his face and, uh, you know, uh, like, oh, hey, come to practice with me. Oh, hey, come on, study. And Finn's just kind of there, just kind of like being quiet. And they keep on talking about, to him about annoying stuff. And eventually he's just like, Finn, help, help me out, pal. And Finn just goes. <laughs> and Mash is like, you traitor. <laughs> but then they are approached by the guy that we saw at the end of the last chapter. who introduced himself as Lance Crown. Well, he doesn't introduce himself, but he gets a little caption saying that's his name. And uh, a big deal is made of the fact that he's got two marks. So I guess that it's more than just like the having a mark, but actually, you know, I guess how much of a mark you have signifies how much magic power you have, maybe. Um, and he's like, hey, uh, you know, can, can I join you? And Mash is like, well, nothing fun is happening here. And Lance is like, well, in that case, let's do something that is fun. And Mash is like, you mean hide and seek? <laughs> I guess Mash likes hide and seek. Anyway, he takes out a little bottle. And all of a sudden, all of uh, Match's friends have their wind stopped. They're they're sucked into into the vortex by whatever the wind girl's name was, basically shrunk down to the little ball that he has. And he's like, if you want to see them again, come to the forest behind the owl shed and I'll be waiting. So Match shows up later and he's like, what do you want? And uh, Lance just says, you're after them, too, aren't you? These silver coins. And he has two silver coins, Chris. Um, And uh, so Jock Boy realizes that this guy is. I think we lost Nick there for a second. Oh, he'll be coming back. All right. Well, I can see you moving around and talking. I can hear you talking. So yep, now you're back. I'm just going to keep on talking. Yep, go for it. All right, cool. So Lance is like, let's bet all of our star chips on this duel, and the loser will have to leave bat- uh, Duelist Kingdom was the name of the island. I kept on wanting to say something. Anyway, so, uh, and he's like, and if you don't accept, then I'm going to kill your friends, basically. So... Uh, he's like, you know, 
I you know know what you did during the entrance exams because you prioritize someone you adjustment over your own goals, and I'm never going to lose to someone who's already lost. And Mash is quiet for a while while his friends are saying stuff, and Lance says, "Are you too scared to respond?" And Lance is just like, "I'm just waiting for you to start." So they begin, and Lance uses a gravity spell to basically crush everything else around them so that they have a small platform to fight on. And Mash jumps in and tries to punch him. Uh, he gets crushed by gravity magic again. Uh, and Lance starts to mock him while he's crushed into the ground and says, oh, you, you think you can just get by with just this? You know, you do you have any aspirations at all? Uh, I don't need anyone like you encroaching on my playing field. I'll be the last one standing while trash like you spend your lives rolling across the ground. Mash tries to stand up, but he just continues to be crushed. But then he punches his his arm into the ground and rips up a root that was underneath uh, Lance, which trips him up. And uh, so that causes Lance to hit the ground as well. And Mash stands up and says, I didn't know you liked rolling on the ground, too. Oh, badass line exchange. So this is a very straightforward just fight chapter. Uh, very few jokes, except at the very beginning of this. Uh, but that said, I still enjoyed it. So. Uh, this is, I think, the first time I, I left a chapter of Mashal very ambivalent by the end. Um, I don't think it's bad. I just think Mash needs the comedy to stand out. Because I I mm. do think Mash is still a good character without it. But without the actual humor as that big juxtaposition between all the mood, moods of the series, it comes off kind of boring. And that's sort of where I felt at the end of this chapter. I was like, ho-hum, okay. Um, that's not an indictment that this is, like, the downturn for Mashal necessarily. But this is, the, mm -hmm. this is the only chapter so far where I was like, all right, whatever. It's also definitely different for Mashal in terms of it, it doesn't end on a silly joke. It just ends on a moment that's kind of supposed to be badass. Uh, and so you don't have that, you know, big sticking the landing sort of moments that a big joke tends to do for the series. So, and, and people were saying like, well, it needs to do this because we need to, it can't just be a pure comedy. Model. I like, I get that. Why not? We're, <laughs> but even in that case, we're on chapter eight. Like we could still put mm -hmm. a gag in or have mash say something. Like I, I don't need like an entire, like four page long sequence of jokes, just like a single panel where he gets like a really funny line in or just says something weird and obtuse like God is dead again. And you're just like, what the <laughs> fuck? Like something that really like gets you excited for it as opposed to this where it was like, OK, like I get we're probably eventually going to have those kinds of moments where this just becomes kind of like a battle manga. It was just one where I was like, I was kind of hoping we'd get something more in this chapter. You know what I think would have been a funnier joke than the one that we got where the guy's like, oh, yeah, we're going to do something fun. And Matt's like, hide and seek. What if he had captured his friends and left and said, you know, meet me out here at this time? And they go and meet in the woods. And he's like, do you know why I called you here? And then Mash is like, hide and seek. He's like, that seems like it would be a little bit better use of that punchline to me. Yeah. But what do I know? Mission Yosakura Family, Mission 28, cheating. Well, Chris, uh, we're getting series canceled here and there. 
And Mission Yuzukura got a Mission Yuzukura family got a color page, so I don't think it's going to be among the cancellations. No, just to be like, I think it's very much uh, official at this. I know it's it's a volume sold really really well, so uh, we're gonna I guess see uh, some Mission Yuzukura for a round. Yeah. Which you know, congratulations to it for that. I just hope that maybe things will get actually better now. <laughs> That's the thing is like, I know sometimes, uh, especially like, for example, like back when I wrote that uh, article about Bleach a few years ago, people were like, oh, it's still selling well and stuff. And when I had brought up how like, well, it's not selling as well as it had been before, basically, as proof of like people are not reading the series as much. And here is why I don't take pleasure when something that I don't like doesn't do well. Because I want that thing to be good. Mm. So, I mean, I do feel a sense of like, well, I was right. But if something I don't like continues, then that means there's more of something I don't like. And I would prefer it to keep going and stop being a thing I don't like and become a thing I do like. Because then I get good manga. So I have said before, especially at the beginning of the series, that I think that this series can be really good. And I just want it to be. <laughs> can we please have it be about the Yuzakura family now and not Tayo dealing with this stupid brother in law of his again? <laughs> Look, I want to kind of cut through this chapter quickly because I'd rather spend more time on the more interesting series going on this week. But I will say I think this actually isn't a horrendous chapter because it at least avoids like the one cardinal sin mm -hmm. that is like, hey, let's go for the cheap uh, thing that we have an established couple in a relationship. But let's have them doubt themselves every step. But like Mutsumi till the end does not doubt that Tayo is doing something right. She sees Tayo talking with a young woman uh, that he has not told her about. And she is shocked by this and goes home and you know, is like, oh, OK. And, you know, uh, Ayaka, who is now, of course, their maid, has been putting all these ideas in her head of like, oh, he's a master of the night. and He's seeing women and stuff like that. She sh she just tells her, I was just surprised. Tayo is not t the type of person to do that. I'm sure there's a reasonable explanation. Yeah. And then Kyoichiro shows up and is like, going to kill him. Gotta yeah. kill him. And I, I do enjoy that the the big twist of all this is like, oh, well, he was doing all this because he was trying to get a gift, essentially, for Kurichiro, and he couldn't mm -hmm. tell her because he knows that she gets basically monitored all the time by Kurichiro, so if she told her, then she would inevitably find out, and he wanted it to be a surprise. Like, it's a sweet little thing. The joke's fine. If you're going to do a comedy chapter, this is the one to kind of do it in, as long as it's like, well... Next week, he has to get a teacup for him, but who would have thought that buying a teacup could actually be dangerous mm -hmm. and used to spy trade? Like, as long as it's not that shit, I'm more okay with it. Or if we also, can we please see a little bit of consequence to this? And so he would react a little bit differently towards oh, him now. Yeah. That would be nice, too. Or show the other members of this family. It's really weird. F please! <laughs> like, There's like five of them! <laughs> I was like, I can't remember the last time I really saw anything of consequence from like the 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 sisters 
or any basically the last one I remember was the now, and that's because he's my favorite, and also the most recent one to have a chapter devoted to him. He's the only one who doesn't get mentioned in the little shot where she t- where she pulls out all the hair that uh, is uh, has, she's gotten from Tyler's clothing. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so I just went. That was more about this the manga in general than the chapter itself. I know. I am with you in terms of like, this was definitely a better chapter than some of the, the recent ones we've gotten uh, previously. I just want it to be consistently better, please. Yeah. Samurai 8. Don't have to deal with this one for much longer. So um, something bizarre happens. So last time we saw that, oh, Hachimaru's other clones, they're going to absorb his power into themselves and they're going to be complete and stuff like that. And then we saw, oh, wait, it's 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 not coming together. The 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 hologram that shows the power is connecting and stuff. But then one of them realizes, wait a minute, it's the other way around. What do you mean? We're the ones being absorbed by Hachikaku. And we cut over to where Hachimaru was still in his locker ball. Now she's like, what happened? And then they sense something and we cut into Hachimaru's headspace where he has big branchy things coming out of him like uh, Fudumio and he is talking to Fudumio and he's like a perfected incarnate body leaves the flesh behind to become nothing but a spiritual being. Let me explain. (laughs) I will be honest. I did not read this part of the chapter. I just didn't <laughs> i don't care and if it bothers you that i didn't read it you only have to worry about me not having read samurai 8 chapter in its entirety for like two more weeks because it's ending soon <laughs> so he also explained the part that's important that he explains is something that actually Hachimaru says which is nashi helped me realize that ann's brother might have died but his desire, his drive still lives on. It showed up as Nanashi, the seven desires, and it saved me, the guy with the same calling as her brother, all to save Anne. I could feel it that although her brother is supposedly dead, his will still lives on. So, and Anne felt that too. And I was, so because of that, I was able to visualize that losing my body didn't mean dying. Everything I am is still connected to someone else and won't go away. So there's a whole lot of talk here about how, like, everything's connected and there's incarnation, all this stuff. The same stuff that, that Fudumio was talking about in his first appearance. And my God, in terms of, like, the explanations of how shit works and stuff, the spiritual stuff at least has themes connecting it to the story that's going on. And there's talk about how this has to do with what affects characters and stuff like that. So although it's really boring to keep going back to it along with all the mechanics discussion and stuff, at least this part is kind of important. What's not important is then everyone looks at the icon showing Hitachimaru's stats that pops up and like, who cares? Stop doing this. <laughs> There's the moment, though. The moment it pops up, heroism eight. I said, he's like, you motherfucking cocksucker's going to turn it to its side by the end of this chapter. Sideways into an infinite symbol. <laughs> I just saw this. Like, you cocksuckers are going to turn this over, and I think this is a big thing. What if the next chapter, Chris, isn't Samurai 8? 
It's Samurai Infinite. Well, that guy, I'd say that's a very ironic decision for a series being canceled that week, but <laughs> you, let's see that the strategy pays off, Cotton. What if Kishimoto just gets really fucking uh, fourth wall breaky and he's like, even though this story ends, <laughs> its will will connect it into every other story. Maybe in the way that you digested, this story is no longer continuing, but... In infinitely many other ways, it is still going on. I'm like, yeah, I guess, sure. One of the clones looks at the stats and is like, what are these stats for? They're mine. No, they're ours. And everyone's, every one of them, their hair starts to turn white and they transform into Hachimaru. And Atta's like, your hair's white. What's going on? And the seven new Hachimarus turn on Atta. One goes to protect Anne while the others gang up on Atta and protect and uh, protect her from him. And one is just like, Anne, it's me, Hachimaru. I'm here to rescue you. And then I was like, Hachikaku took over your bodies? This is so messed up. <laughs> and one of them is like, we're all Hachimaru. And I was like, ah. Oh. They may look like Hachikaku, but their true nature is that of Fudumyo. And he contacts his master, who is like, abandon the plan. Use my samurai soul that I cut off and gave to you. And Yada's like, fine. <laughs> Defeats such as the six of the Hachimaru's immediately and turns them into, into cubes. And then he turns on the last one. And they're like, oh God, we've got to have more exposition, don't we? And it's just like, locker cubes. In the cube sector, they don't have locker balls. They're cubes instead. Who cares? <laughs> They're like, no, no, no. This is very... Look, we were going to talk about racism because people weren't going to like people who could turn into cubes because they're like, we turn into balls. People who turn into cubes are weird. And there's going to be like a whole Zootopia thing where like a person who was a cube sector, like met a person from the sphere sector, and they they they, they, they turned to love each other, you know? And it was going to be really emotional. There's going to be a whole story. Jenny Slate was going to be the villain. Rounded edges. And... <laughs> It was going to be a sharp cube. We could show that uh, we could blend all cultures together when you think about it. <laughs> so, Ada's like, I hold Master Kala's black blade. It forcibly discorporates whatever it touches. I see that! You just did it! So, Ada tries to get in touch with his key holder, his ship thing, Ryuki, and he's like, it's not listening to me. Something must have happened. Hachimaru's like, I'll I'll start the plan over from step. Uh, and he's like, and pray for me. And I was like, I'll start the plan over from step one. Now I will cut you both to pieces. Just cut them both to pieces. Stop talking. They clash swords. Ata immediately his eye twitches over towards Anne instead of the Hachimaru. Ajimaru puts himself in the way of his attack as like a wave of energy gets sent out from Ata's sword. And Hachimaru is like, that was silent slash. Chris, we have one more in this. <laughs> Send the silence, silent slash. It's so silent. He's like, mm, I think the issue with your slash is it didn't announce itself before coming out. Perhaps there should be a small trumpet heralding its approach. <laughs> like, boop, 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 boop. The silent slash! And I attach little bells to the end of my blade so you can hear it as it comes out. 
And of course, it doesn't work unless you go sneak attack. <laughs> that's that's what you're thinking. That's that's out of. I think that's why you're going to fail. It doesn't matter. He turned his eight into an infinite, so he's unstoppable now. I think you just didn't appreciate the true nature of the silent style. You were all quiet. That was your mistake. Hachimaru says to himself, Anne would give a guy like me strength and be truly concerned for me. And at some point, I fell in love. At some point, that would have probably actually been like illustrated and, you know, like we've like gone over that, if not for the cancellation. Anyway, Anne, I know that I said I would die to protect you. Anne's like, Yeah. Even knowing who I am, will you still believe in me and pray for me? And Anne's like, it's fine. And Hachimaru's like, what do you mean? And Anne's crying as she looks at him. And Hachimaru's like, thank you. I'll give it a try. My love for Anne might exist because of the love she still feels for her brother and the promise I made with dad before his death. In which case, no, not a try. I'll do it. And not just like with every last bit. I was like, oh no, the eight symbol is turning sideways. And Hachimaru's heroism is infinite as he declares, I will protect you. I know. I feel like I've seen someone do this before too, where there was some number that was an eight and it gets turned to the side and it becomes infinite. And even at that time, being like, this is fucking stupid. Like, I get it. They look a lot alike. It's just. <laughs> I mean, do we still know what heroism actually is? It's just their energy level, right? Because there's also gravity, right? I don't think we ever actually got a proper explanation for what those things mean, Chris. I hope next week we get an, <laughs> an exposition dump about it. I, to, I mean, like, I keep we keep on talking about, like, there's too much exposition of the mechanics in this series and stuff like that. But even without just the this is poorly paced and all that stuff, I seem to recall that when techniques were exposited upon in Naruto, they were easier to grasp, make sense of. Like, there are three types of jutsu. There is taijutsu, which is hand-to-hand fighting. There is ninjutsu, which is, you know, different, like, summoning abilities, you know, casting elements and all that stuff. And then there's genjutsu, which is illusion. And it's like, okay... I know what they're talking about now. Whenever they say Rock Lee can only use Taijutsu or the Sharingan has 8 trillion forms of bullshit Genjutsu in it, stuff like that. It's just a substitution term for illusion, martial arts and other things. This is like you have gravity and you have heroism. What are those things? Literally, what are those things? He's got a high gravity score. What does that mean? Somehow in the five-page explanation of all these stats, you didn't explain what they mean. So, Like, there's a level we could assume out of it. It just feels like they never just outright stated it to make it clean. Like, if you're going to use different terms for different things, like if heroism is your key, your spirit energy, your whatever, like, it just needs to be kind of established more early on. If I remember correctly... I think that Dharma said that was the one that fueled all the other techniques. So it didn't matter if you had a gravity of 10 bajillion or whatever. If your heroism wasn't high enough, then you couldn't actually achieve all of that ability. So I think that that's why it's the super most important one. 
But there were like nine others in there. And again, what why is what is the gravity thing? So, yeah. All right. Anyway. Zip man. Zip zip. Chapter number 14 program. Uh, so the people that have zip suits now to help out Kiname, they're like, we'll take things here. Check out how cool our suits look. If only they had shown up more. Go defeat the bad guy boss. I know that there were like four generals or something. They're done. Just go after the last (laughs) one. You beat one of them. Forget the other two. We'll handle it. Uh, Koshiro's company building unzips, and there's this weird castle tower thing inside of it. And the weird uh, Kigurumi-looking thing with the cat ears and stuff is sitting in the throne, and he is guarded by another zip man, but it's all white. And so uh, he says, Welcome, zip man, or should I say, Kaname Tatara. Don't get me wrong. Your brother never gave away anything, even though his soul was about to be erased. Such beautiful brotherly love. Don't worry. And uh, then so Konami's like, what did you do with my brother? And uh, Koshiro's voice says, don't worry, devil gorilla. I'm fine. And he's the white zip man. And they're like, what happened? What did you happen to you? And uh, he's like, do you have your memories? Do you remember who I am? He's like, yeah, I'm fine. Then why are you with that guy? And the eared guy says, kill Zipman. And he so- pulls out a sword and they start to fight while Konami t- tries to defend himself. And he's like, what's wrong? It's me, your brother. And uh, so Koshra is like, I know it's you. I know your voice. So get out of my way, Konami, because I'm going to kill Zipman. And Konami's like, What? So the cat ear guy explains, I transferred Koshiro to that suit, but I added this command into his data. The chairman's commands are absolute. I have finished my creation. A new protector of the world with the ultimate brains and suit. His name is Weiss Zipman. I'm remembering that one manga that they made in uh, Bakuman with the uh, dark and white rivalry thing. Anyway. They're fighting, and basically, instead of it just being like, oh, Kosher has been totally brainwashed or whatever, he's just basically being made to think weird things. So he's like, oh, yes, we're going to defeat that guy, the chairman, but I have to kill Zitman first. So they're fighting. Konami's still refusing to fight back. So eventually, like, hmm, maybe there's a better man, American man I can give. I know. Why is Zitman? Kill China. And so he's like, sorry, I've got to go save the world by killing China. And they are still fighting at the end of the chapter. So, Nick, I don't have a wristwatch, but it's one of those moments where I just want to like tap on the watch. Like, oh, man, is this how long am I going to be here? It's it's sad because the, the quality of Zipman is entirely determined for the fact that it's being canceled. And mm-hmm. just, you're like, I'm just why would I invest it at this point? Right. Samurai so. 8, it's like, how much of this is bad just because the story was bad and and part of and how much of it is because it's being canceled, whereas this is just like, well, it's all because it's being canceled. Yeah, so. I was like, I probably could have liked quite a lot of the things going on here had there been actual like continuation to it at this point. All right, Nick, you know what they say? We never learn. Question. Um, uh, um, 
uh, learn, 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 learn. I don't know. I just felt the need. <laughs> I got confused. I was like, is there a series I forgot? Question 151 X equals Thumbelina Supercomputer Part 1, the start of the Ogata arc. And we get a little color page with a little tiny Uega being held up by Ogata and a little tiny uh, Sekijo, and her nose is bleeding because Nick will not admit his uh, his his incorrect statement one time you say that but if, if anything this chapter kind of buffs pumps up my argument so i don't see how that is but all right uh so hey in this chapter it turns out ogata was the girl from the fireworks festival and we cut ahead the the kids are in university now and sekijo and ogata are roommates they have an apartment uh Sekijo loves hanging out with Ogata because she's mm-hmm. living the quote sublime climax of my life and they found a really good ultra cheap apartment. There's a reason for that we'll get to. Yuega shows up. He works at the Udon store and he's delivering Udon and he's like cool. Alright, I just stopped by because I wanted to. Uh... <laughs> We talk about Aruka. She she won a race, and Sekijo is like, hmm, well, she left without saying anything. <laughs> so <laughs> like this is the thing. <laughs> You're someone who thinks so got like Aruka's story isn't the canon one. You're insane. Cause apparently the only way for an Ogata arc to even exist is Aruka had to just leave the picture without saying anything to anyone. <laughs> so they're like, yep, that's what we have to do. Uh, Ogata's like, hey, there's something spooky about this apartment. And Zekijo's like, yeah, why don't you just stay the night with us? Oh, wait, just kidding. And Yuiga me is like, yeah, okay, sure. Uh, turns out, they're staying at the haunted apartment from that one chapter with Kirisu. And it's a good callback, mm-hmm. I will say. But uh, go on. The little girls like, hey, I, it's you. Remember, let's uh, let's play together. Anyway, he goes like, ah, geez, why did they have to take this apartment? But he's like, you know what? It's fine. It looks like Ogata's really scared. I'll, I'll just stay tonight. I'll try to keep this situation under control. So they're all sleeping on like the floor. Little girl ghost sleep with Uega. He's like, oh man, I don't know why I really And this that. is actually her love story with <laughs> yeah. Oh man, it's the little ghost girl's path. That's right. Her own storyline. There's no way Ogata's ending up with Uega. <laughs> uh, and he's like, oh man, you know, this is so awkward. And Ogata grabs onto his hand. She's like, "What? what's wrong? Are you scared? And well, I guess actually Uega says, are you scared? And she says, no, it's just Rizu. Remember? Yeah, you're not, yeah. He's like, you're not supposed to say, you're supposed to call me by my first name when it's just the two of us. Uh, also, her hat just says psychology on it, which... Um, yes. Okay. As all nightcaps do. <laughs> I was going to say, I was like, do they, do they brand nightcaps for the uh, like major you take at that school? Is that a thing that they do? Nightcap, like, it matches her pajamas and it's just, you know, polka dots. So... Do they just like, you know, yeah, we'll write whatever you want on it. And so someone's just like, can you write Schmeggles on mine? And like, sure. <laughs> Absolutely. And you wake a Caesar and it's like, oh, I remember how you're the fireworks girl. Wink, wink, wink. And uh, 
He's like, hey, you know, how do you feel about but little ghost girls? Like, hey, what are you doing? And it scares everybody, basically. Uh, Uega's like, hey, wait, you promised not to cause trouble. So he goes to kind of grab her, and I guess she just ghost phases through him or tosses it. I don't know. Anyway, he lands on Ogata, and he's like, oh, no, the ghost was, I mean, the nothing was next to us. So Ogata's like, wait, what's going on? Hey, what, what was that? And the ghost is, like, grabbing onto her. It's kind of pulling her shirt up. And uh, eventually Sekijo wakes up and is like, I was having a nice sleep. What the fuck y'all doing? And they're all scared because she, she has a mask um, on. There's a per- certain panel while this is going on in the scuffle where the ghost girl, Misao, grabs onto the shoulder of Ogata's pajama top. And it's a fan service shot. So somehow it tightens around her in a way that doesn't really make sense. Um, because, you know, it's tightening around her boobs. But you can also see that Ogato wears a broader bed, which, from what I understand, is not very comfortable. So. I don't know. Maybe, I guess uh, maybe she was concerned as Yuigo sleeping next yeah, maybe. Maybe. Different uh, strokes. Yeah. Anyway, they're like, ghost! Even the ghost girl's scared. And they're like, hey. But uh, that 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 basically ends the chapter. They end with her saying, like, hey, you know, why are you wearing all those, sleep ma- those face masks to bed? It's scary. And Sekijo's like, no, that's okay. Those protect my skin while I sleep. That's the chapter. And that's it. <laughs> that's the end of... This chapter was... Okay, so last week when we got the announcement that, okay, we're going to get all the weekly that we never learn uh, storylines and stuff like that, I said I thought it was a bad decision, but I was going to judge each of them on its own merits. This is off to a terrible start. I was going to say, maybe it was intentional to start the side stories with the most dickless fucking no heat romance that's left in the story to tell. Like, you were like, no, I think there's something between Firmino and Uega or Sumi and Uega, but there's nothing between Ogata and Uega. So let's start there, is, there. The only thing that really goes on is Uega thinking about Ogata being the girl that he saw with the fireworks, which is completely different from how the Uruka plot line went because he didn't know it was her. Uh, and Seki Joe trying to push them together. And that's it. So <laughs> this is a really weird start to this is the route where he ends up with Ogata because I mean, like even in the comic relief chapters and the uh, ephemeral mermaid arc, there was a lot of discussion of Uruka's feelings for Yuiga and Yuiga's feelings for Uruka in every single chapter. So this was a really weird whiplash to get into this one. And yeah, like you said, did not do anything to add to the argument of there's no canon ending. <laughs> I really, I want every Which in side a way is arc. a kind of a relief to me for the complaints I had last week, so. I want every single arc to start with, well, Aruka didn't say anything, so we all got here. And that's the reason why this can happen. I do appreciate that this is taking place at a different time, though. This is, like, time has definitely passed since they've graduated, uh, like, high school, and now they're all in university. Yes. And this potentially 
could resolve the very big potential issue that comes up whenever we get to the Kirisu ending, where hopefully Uega has graduated and it's like uh, 23 or something. Uh, yeah. Or just he's no longer in school, like a school where she's a guidance counselor and like some time right, has kind right, of passed right. to give something there. I do. That is definitely the thing that probably has me the most optimistic for the future of this series is like, okay, you have demonstrated that you can have a very different starting point for each of the five. You're not going to start with like, well, we just took the entrance exam and then a girl confesses to him. So, yeah, I I do appreciate that. Um, This in itself was a very bad start to this concept because it was a random fucking chapter, which I now that I think about it. I'm beginning to suspect it was just because this plot line would have been too short without some padding. Um, but hey, at least, you know, we might get some creative stuff in these next four, uh, four plot lines. So, yeah, I'm, 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 legitimately, <laughs> I'm just so excited waiting for like I just this is the best chapter to start with for me. Because it was everyone being like, every ending is going to be canon now. And then you watch this chapter, you're like, there's no fucking way. (laughs) You're like, if you're going to try to tell me this is anywhere near the same level of death as the Mm -hmm. other one, then. I mean, yeah, I I think that, yeah, you make a point of like the order of things that definitely does take away from like, oh, yeah, you get to decide which one's the canon ending. When, when, of course, it was always going to be the case that some of these stories were going to be more convincing or better or more satisfying than others. And that's going to be an entirely subjective thing. And let me fucking tell you, your favorite ending is probably just going to be the one where your preferred love interest for you is the one that winds up with him. But uh, yeah, it was always going to be the case that some were just going to be better stories than others because you have to do five of them and they're not all going to be exactly the same quality. So. And and you know what? There's still tons of time. Maybe they turn this around. It doesn't maybe sound like they're short. This stories. might be the best one. Yeah. Yes. I mean, it just maybe has a really weak start. So maybe they get mm-hmm. a lot of ground covered. Yeah. Start off with uh, let's start the Doctor Stone chapter. Z equals 143. Ryusui versus Senku. Uh, reporter girl, Minami, oh, Minami, her name's Minami, 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 (laughs) making up for the past two weeks of me just calling her reporter, Minami, yeah. Old news Minami, as they called her. So she has a voice recorder now, like a, 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 a sort of phonograph, um, so she can actually record, like, stories into it now. The weird part of this is that she's, like, speaking out of the panel and like striking very unnatural poses while doing so that indicate she's like speaking to a camera. So I guess old habits die hard because she was a TV reporter or old but habits really die hard she's because like, she's not a disembodied devil bat logo to explain to us, the audience, everything that's happening. Uh, yeah. Where's Mecha Senku to do this? <laughs> like it was a moment where I read this chapter. I was just like, Ah, yes, I can remember midway through the final tournament for the Kanto region, they would sometimes still start be like, here's what a Speed. touchdown is. <laughs> like, yeah, I guess, I guess this country still doesn't really get the rules. <laughs> there were so many mascots in that series by the end. Here's what a field goal does. 
Um, so basically, Minami is going around to the different members of this of the new crew of the Perseus, uh, interviewing them and catching up with them on different things. Basically, what they're thinking about in this moment, and also, hey, we get to see Minami kind of have a little bit of an actual, you know, rapport developing with some of them, as opposed to just they are talking about stuff. So it's like, hey, this is also character relationship development too. So. Uh, and also we established that, hey, Suika was actually, you know, allowed to come on the ship this time because she proved how useful she was. So, you know, good, uh, because it would have been really awkward to just not have Suika in this series for an extended period of time, considering she's been one of the primary supporting characters for a while. Um, I like also that Kaseki and Chrome are just talking about like, oh, you're using the voice recorder we made. Cool. Isn't it cool? This is how it works. This is just being a couple of nerds. And then she starts talking to Kirisame and she's like, you're in, you're in a relationship with Kinro now. This is a ship that's in this series. It's happening. Okay. <laughs> Okie dokie then. All right. <laughs> um, Matsukaze is talking a bit about Ginro, who apparently is now feeling really weird about having Matsukaze around. And I guess it's just a matter of like, he's already bored of lording over people because they're He's getting cabin fever. Then we get just a photograph of the ocean with the Persia superimposed in the corner. It's very nice looking. I don't buy for a second that this is anything other than a, a black and white fo- uh, photograph. If this is actually a drawing, holy shit, good fucking job. Um, and uh, just after Ginro had the whole thing of like, it's so boring on this ship. Well, they run into a fucking storm, and so things get chaotic, and they have to deal with uh, a lot of stuff happening on the ship. And then we get a the, what the chapter title was uh, move, uh, pointing us towards, which is a big disagreement between Senku and Ryusui, who are disagreeing over the length of time it's going to take for them to traverse the Pacific Ocean. Ryusui says it'll take 70 days. Senku says it'll take 40 days. Uh, Taiju immediately breaks them up because he thinks that they're fighting, and they're like, no, we're discussing. We're discussing this. And poor stupid Taiju is like, this, this, Senku dissed you? <laughs> he's so stupid. But he's like, don't fight. It's bad. Um, so they're just disagreeing over the route that they can take. Uh, Ryusui explains that a straight route call, uh, called a rum line it would be the fastest route and it'll take them 70 days to follow it. They basically are going to follow a latitude line across the ocean. And Senku says, no, that's wrong. The shortest route would actually be if we curve our route like this. Um, and he explains, like, see, this will be shorter if we do that. And they, they basically get out a big globe and it, it and the globe that they had before in the previous chapter and take out ropes to demonstrate, ah, yes, this route will actually be shorter. Uh, so uh, they're like, all right, yeah, I guess that that's how planes fly across the globe. And so Senku's like, so this is what's called the Great Circle Sailing Route. So we'll take the shortcut and we'll get there faster. Don't you agree, Kohaku's ass? That's not Kohaku, actually. That's um, it's Nikki, I think. I don't know. It's a girl's ass that is in the middle of the shot. Look, again, Boichi gets bored sometimes. <laughs> Well, <laughs> I mean, look, it's kind of confusing, too, because we have the introduction to this whole chapter being an interview with the cast. And then it's like, well, yeah, but everyone came. <laughs> like, So we specifically introduced to several people 
And I was like, oh, this is interesting. No Kohaku. Much smaller cast. Yeah. Much smaller crew. I was yeah. like, no Francois, no Nikki, no Ukyo. And then all of them are here. Every single one of those characters is also on the ship. And you're just like, all right, I guess. Minami scrapped those other interviews. <laughs> Didn't get any juicy gossip to get. And she's like, what the fuck am I going to interview the fucking ear guy about? Who cares? They get into a pretty big disagreement, uh, Ryusui and Senku do, because Ryusui's like, listen, this is, you know, it's dangerous if we take that great circle route. Uh, you know, we've got our sailors are, you know, mostly amateurs and we need and you need a lot of skill to take that route. So this is going to take 70 days. I'm just being realistic. And Senku says the corn that we're going to get won't make it in time if we get there in 40 days. We'll get in during autumn. The corn will be past a little but they'll actually be good for our needs. But if we go there in 70 days, it'll be winter. Time will be up. We'll have to waste an entire year in this fight against Wyamets. We've got to get there in 40 days. I'm a scientist. I'm just being logical. So Chrome's like, huh. So they're basically both right. Uh, and they, I was like, yeah. So, you know, Reese was looking out for everyone. Senku is being logical and being like goal oriented. So Gen is like, ooh, well, okay. Well, I don't like working really hard. So I'm with Ryusui. And Kok is like, I want to get there fast. So I'm with Senku. <laughs> so, you know, there are different reasons they, they're taking sides. But it's not like the crew gets split up over this or anything like that. It's just the four of them that we have disagreeing over this. Um, Ryusui is like, listen. You know, we could shave off 10 days here. Uh, so that's but, you know, I'm, I'm still staying up for the crew on this. That's the most that I'm willing to bargain with you on this. And you think like, OK, friendship won the day and they managed to, you know, come to an agreement. And Seku's still like, no, we've got to get that cord. We need to get there in 40 days. So they're both like, <laughs> they get this like big bare chested showdown between them. Which I like that you only see Ryusui's giant muscles and Senku's just like, eh, just show him from the back. He's not nearly as... He's the guy that Kevin Dunn would make wear a shirt because he doesn't have a good body. Yeah. So they're like, all right, it's a showdown between them. And somehow, don't ask me how, but somehow they decide that the way to settle this is for them to play poker. And so they get dressed up in their snazzy clothing, which I guess they brought along with them on this voyage for some reason. And Ukyo is the dealer at a poker table. I don't know where they came from, but uh, they're they're ready to do this. And so uh, Senku's like, why did we dress in fancy clothes for this? And Risu's like, because we have to make this a formal affair you know, and show off for the audience. And that way they'll be more inclined to actually obey the winner's wishes. And that's going to be me. Uh and Gen jumps in at this point. And he's like, sorry, but I'm aligning with Ryusui on this. And he's also dressed up and he's getting ready to to play poker as well. And Senku's like, this guy's going to cheat. And Gen's like, no, I'm not. But Kohaku comes in and she's got a fancy dress on. She's like, no lopsided teams. I'm joining Senku because I wanted to go on his route. And Senku's like, OK, well, with your strong eyesight, you'll be able to follow if Gen tries to cheat. So it's a showdown, a, a, a freaking casino battle between Seiko Kahaku and Ryusui again and everyone's like oh wow cool and uh I don't know how the fuck we got to this point but fuck it I'm into this because uh Inagaki has uh 
does does some cool things whenever there are you know these card playing scenes. It reminds me of uh, a lot of stuff that Hiruma would do in Aisho Twenty One. So, so yeah, um, an odd turn, but I'm into it. Chainsaw Man. Brum, 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 brum. Chapter sixty two. Super mess. Uh, a fight occurs between Tronchi and uh, the Hound. Hound. That was his name. That was his nickname. Hound. <laughs> Uh, but she very quickly kicks him through the window and or throws him through the window and he lands on a car. It's very important. Uh, more fighting between uh, Trunchy and her demons uh, and the assassin who showed up there. Uh, one of them spits fire at him. He dodges around it and shoots at her, but she blocks it with her arm. Trunchy grabs the assassin and throws him through the window and he lands on a car. <laughs> Um, I'm not sure if it's the same car or not. It looks like the same car that uh, the hound had just landed on, which he's already up and walking around. So he's he seems to be fine. So he just goes now. So he's OK. Uh, we, we see the violence devil uh, fighting with some of the puppets, chopping their heads off and stuff. And he's like, Kabeni, are you OK? He's looking out through the window. She's like, my car is <laughs> <laughs> poor girl. <laughs> Uh, Power tries to hold the other de- devil uh, hostage and she's like, hey, stay back or I'll kill her. Also let Denji go. <laughs> Priorities. Chuan Chi tries to flirt with Power into getting her to let go of her other girlfriend and Power calls her a cheater. Uh, Lance emerges from the ground and headbutts the devil who had gotten free. And uh, so they look... Uh, not Lance, Beam, my mistake. Uh, and so Denji's like, hey, Beam, we're, we're going to run. Uh, then uh, one of the bodyguards uh, stands up and is like, hey, mind if I get a rematch while squaring off with Chuan Chi? They exchange some uh, strikes and blocks and dodges, and he lands a really good fucking kick on her fucking face and leaves a big bruise. And uh, he just says after they back off from each other, you know, if you hit me directly, that'd kill me. You you don't have human strength. Uh, Denji and Beam are running while they're being while being chased. He says that he's going to get his chainsaws out. And Beam's like, nope, save your blood just in case. Uh, but then at that moment, uh, Beam trips up, falls to the ground. And Denji's like, hey, come on, man. And then he goes, ow. And he looks down and there's a nail sticking through his foot. And he's like, oh, I stepped on a nail. And uh, turns out that uh, the apprentice was posing as one of the corpses on the ground, stuck him with the last nail, and he gets pulled up into the air, and his body is pulled into a crucifix position, and the gates of hell from Bleach emerge and do something to him. So he gets really insanely fucked up by this. I don't really see exactly what happens to him it looks like some skulls bite into his shoulders maybe uh and he falls to the ground in a bloody heap as the apprentice uh, stands up and kicks beam in the face and that is where the chapter ends told you all it's bleach guys come on I, I, it's a fun little chapter a lot of little cool parts uh i, I do enjoy <laughs> beam being like oh amazing you're floating as he's like i can't stop this and i just think it's immediately crucified i just love beam being like oh it's so cool you're so awesome you're floating 
So many characters in the series are idiots. I, you know, this kind of thing, like this ability to inject the humor into these very heavy action sequences there are that are very low on dialogue but then almost every time that someone speaks is for the purpose of a joke that's kind of the thing that i wish that some of the you know more recent series that are struggling would do uh you know stuff like you know if we had that for in you know the chapter of mash you were talking about or if we had that in yozakura family mm. uh, because it really helps you know just kind of like move things all along at a brisk pace um, so you get your action, you get your consequences, but you also get your humor. So fun chapter. <sighs> the promise Neverland. Oh, <laughs> so, um, not to oversell this chapter, which is, um, chapter 171 defeat. But this was the best chapter of the Promised Neverland that we had had in a long time. It wasn't amazing, but it was the best chapter we'd had in a long time. Because uh, we see Peter Rotary running away from people and being like, Oh, what can I do? I'm cut off from the command center and all the things that I could possibly do require me to be able to use that. And then he just, I, he gets a phone call, which is kind of awkward, and answers it. And it's a call from the Imperial Capital. And we see that over in the Capitol, Sonja Mujica are going to be executed. Oh, no. But then, coming through the crowd, it's Lubis. <laughs> and it's actually him. Because he's got the full outfit, the mask, and everything. His weird monkey guy is there, too. So, yeah. Grand Duke Lubis is there. How is he alive? I don't know. I guess there's people saying that there were hints to the fact that Luvis was still alive at the end of Goldie Pond. He's the only person whose body we never saw. Things like that. Look, I, I, I don't care. I just don't care anymore. Luvis is here. <laughs> Fine. Whatever. So, he he looks at all these random people who are going to execute Sanju and Mujica while they're looking at him like, holy shit, Luvis is here. And he's like, huh. You guys have gained a lot of power while I've been gone, even though you're just dogs of the five houses and everyone's terrified of him. And uh, so he's like, hmm, looks like you were all cajoled by the Ratry boy. How deplorable. Uh, he looks down at Sanju, who looks at him uh, with a big grimace. And he's like, oh, it's been a long time. And then he claws Sanju across the chest. And he's like, this is the evil blood. This is the thing that you feared and hated. He puts it in a goblet because he's fancy like that. And then he drinks from the goblet. And everyone's like, oh, my God, he's drinking tainted blood. And he's like, this isn't a poison. That was a falsehood that was created by my sister, Legra Valima. Ah, so Legra Valima was his sister. OK, yeah, got it. Got it. That was the detail we may have learned at some point or another. It doesn't matter. Lewis is here. And he's like, this blood can cure you of the degeneration you don't need to eat humans anymore 700 years ago the queen and the aristocrats misinformed everyone that it was toxic it was all for their greed and reign the power of the evil blood was inconvenient to rule the citizens with an iron fist i was like how can this be uh and he's like we the royal family and the, the five region houses devour the evil blood long ago and obtain bodies that don't degenerate while all the citizens were starving it was not needed 
once the evil blooded share their blood in order to save the citizens, they were killed for it. But now, for the same reasons, they're about to be killed by the greedy government. Do you want to kill them? They aren't traitors. They are heroes who tried to save you. And Sonju's like, why? And he's like, he thinks to himself, he's always said that the promise in the farms were annoying. He had zero interest in politics, and yet he's here now. And Lewis is just like, you're right. This is completely out of character for me. <laughs> but he says, I've, you know, abandoned all my responsibilities for all this time. I am, but now I'm at a point where I can't just look the other way anymore. Um, but other than that, I guess it's just a whim. And he thinks back to the time where, you know, uh, Emma and the rest uh, all stood against him. And he says, you know, the current government is vassal armies of the five region houses and the farms. And I, Grand Duke Louvis, order for the execution to be canceled for the arrest of the traitors, the leaders of the current government. So Rattery is back in in uh, in the farm in Gracefield House. And he's like, now even the capital has fallen to enemy hands. There's nothing I can do. I've lost. I've been defeated. It's over. And Emma is standing in front of him with a gun. Alone, somehow? Well, she's the only person who can match his speed. It's, yeah, that's just like a thing that's kind of always been sort of a Yeah, yeah. uh, mastery of Shunpo has uh, always been well established. uh, Last week you heard him when he was like, Shunpo! And he started, it was hard to tell because he kind of like really echoed it, but he was chance to summon super speed. Mm-hmm. And Emma's like, I know how to do that. And she did. She mimicked it. She just said, she, yeah, she was like, just chased that, arms wailing in the sky. Chased after him. You look totally ridiculous, Emma. And then he's like, blah. He's oh, like, I'm oh, blah. It didn't work, damn it. They tricked me. <laughs> they made me look like a fool. I'll no reason. You. I'll get you, Emma. I'll get you. Oh, I've always stood with such dignity. Now I've looked like a fool. <laughs> it pans out. He's wearing like a My Chemical Romance t-shirt and like checkered pants. I've a giant chain wallet. You see that he's got his phone out. He's been tweeting from the trapped official account all day. <laughs> Well, that's going to date this episode a lot, isn't it? <laughs> In the midst of the coronavirus quarantine, just remember there was one day where the, the, the white boy rock music of Trapped was relevant once more. Oh, I still kind of hold a candle for some of their songs, but now it's going to be really difficult to enjoy them again. <laughs> But Chris, they've got 2 million subscribers on Spotify and 2.6 on other platform for music. <laughs> I, well, you know what? It's not 2006, so I don't imagine I'm going to be hearing Headstrong much anymore. So I don't think I'm going to have to hear their music much anymore either. Believe me, I'm just as lost as you. Believe me, I'm just as lost as you. And everything that time I think I've finally made, I find that I'm... <laughs> I've listened to some of their music a lot, okay? <laughs> I used to be 14, okay? I, You know what? I appreciate you. So Rochester looks at Emma and is like, Ah, oh, they made a new promise, but they haven't implemented the promise yet. The one who made the promise was 63194, Emma. So he's like, Oh, I lose! He's like, I've lost. There's no future for me. But as long as I kill her, Emma, the promise is void. 
their future will be destroyed too. Just shoot him, Emma. Oh, but she can't because of all the established. She can't kill someone. Right. She can't. Okay. Rotary's definitely got to get her. He's going to get her. I have full confidence that his, his plan is going to work. Everything else he's done has been going so spectacularly. So successful until the last chapter, yeah. All right. Let's talk about Black Clover. Page 243, Devil Host versus Devil Host. I want to talk a lot about One Piece, so I'm not going to cut it. It takes a lot of time on this. Uh, essentially, not a lot happens in this chapter. Like, like, four important things happen, but otherwise we're at the same point we were before where Asta is threatening the Dark Triad guy. Uh, Gauche can still live. Uh, we find out the name of Asta's devil is Lucifero, or at least that's suggested who it is. Lucifero! And uh, Grey has a big moment of crisis because she realizes that she she feels that her magic is so useless that she's the reason why Gauche is dying. Uh, and uh, Real quick, uh, Lucifero is not actually Asta's devil. It's um, uh, what's-his-name's devil. Because he is asking, who is that devil? Oh, okay. Sorry. I thought, oh, he was devil. Saying, I thought he was saying, and, who is that devil? So, and Lucifero says, I don't know. If there was a high-ranking devil in this world, it would be Zagred, which is the devil that was the antagonist in the previous arc. But this doesn't seem to be him. Yeah. But they say, with the ability to raise spells, it's probably a low-ranking nobody. But, of course, we know that's not the case. So, so yeah. Uh, gray eyes are crisis of faith. Uh, Gauche is not dead, but might still die because they don't have Nero there to seal the damage. And Asta does his big spin move and actually manages to get some blood. You know, all that for a drop of blood, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Avengers mm -hmm. reference. That's a chapter. Let's talk about One Piece. Yeah. It's not a bad chapter. No, not uh, at all. I will all. say. This whole fight, credit where it's due, this arc so far, once we got past the time skip and just, Asta's really strong right now, has been very good. Uh, there has not been a single chapter since we got through Asta's whole rescuing people thing. We made fun of Ast of uh, Yuno's flashback stuff, but it was important information to get. Uh, Black Clover has been pretty good. So, yeah. It's just that each individual chapter does not cover a whole lot of consequential events. So. One Piece, chapter 974, onward to Onigashima. Uh, we see that, uh, yes, you know, when uh, Dendro took over this new identity, that he got in touch with uh, with Hiori, had her take the guise of Kumurasaki. We, there's a meeting between them after she has done this now where uh, she's like, hey, listen, you're getting in danger. I'm going to go distribute this money in Ibisu town. So, hey, Hiori's been robbing from the rich and giving to the poor this this whole time she's been uh, Kumurasaki. Uh, and but he says, hey, listen. Where, keep remember to wear your bag, your blood bags under the kimono, because you know Orochi is smitten with you. He has no idea you're Lord Odin's daughter, and I'm sure that must be difficult for you. And when the time comes, we're going to se separate Kumurasaki from Orochi through death to protect you. We're almost there. We're almost to twenty years. Uh, and this was a very recent thing, presumably. This was probably like happened basically immediately before they enacted this plan. One would guess. Uh, a few months prior. Uh, Kaido had met with Orochi 
Orochi is like, ah, they're here, they're back. And Kaido's like, really? They escaped through time travel? They escaped from the burning castle? You sure that someone's not just playing a trick on you because you're so scared? And he's like, no! Look! And Kaido's like, well, don't kill them. If they're still alive, I've got questions for them after the last 20 years. Um, and uh, so there's... Some other stuff that uh, is going on in terms of I don't know what's going on with because Orochi's like this guy was in a, po- a popular theater troupe, but the his parents were killed in front of him now. And so now that he can only act, I made this offer to him. You will live your life as a true Kazuki and ultimately without a single soul noticing you will die as a Kazuki. That is the grand role I give for you for the stage. Can you play it for me? And so he's like, oh, his only pleasure is in becoming another person. So um, I guess because this person is being in shadow this whole time, we're going to have to learn who this person is later. We learn um, they are. In oh, it is chapter. in this chapter. Yeah, okay. it's, it's Contro. He's, he's, he's talking to Contro. Contro. They okay. just, they I just... didn't make that connection. <laughs> no, that's OK. They just, they just didn't want to show who it was here until they actually give that's the reveal. Because Contra strikes a very um, distinguishable silhouette. Yeah. silhouette. So I thought it was like a whole other thing, but no. OK, yeah. So this is the Roche's plan. He's like, so every time that, you know, I've been doing this, you know, he brought me twice the amount necessary out of the safe. It was only because I had that stockpile that I was able to join with you. The information you brought about that full Odin's raid was helpful, too. But the part that made him truly insane was that the execution, he was fully prepared to die alongside Odin. He has no mind of his own. He has lived as a perfect vassal of Kozuki until I stopped him and he sent me information all the while. He was so faithful it was almost eerie. And now we cut to the present day where, of course, you know we get a little recap of things that have happened so far, both in the past and in the present timeline. And, of course, there's the huge army that is gathered and is ready to go to Onigashima, except, of course, there's a massive storm. How are they possibly going to get across it? And Momonosuke is calling to everyone saying, no, no, don't go. Stop. You're just you know, committing suicide. But, you know, the those that are from the Yakuza 9 that are there are still going uh, to, to try and get to Onigashima. Shinobu is staying on the coast, holding Momonosuke back. Um, and while he's shouting out to them like, hey, come on, this, our plan was leaked again. Um, and so... They're like, Kinemon says, I didn't want to consider the possibility that it, but it might be that one of us is in league with the enemy. But at this point, I do not even want to know. And, uh, um, oh gosh, what is her name? Fuck. The female, like, is a nine. God oh, damn it. Okiko. Oh, yeah. I almost called her Otoki and I was like, no, that's. <laughs> <laughs> Because all of these, like, oh, things have gotten me. But yeah, yeah. Kiku said, you know, turns to Kimon and is like, oh, come on, you know, if, if, you know, this isn't like you. You know, if you aren't prepared to find the traitor, cut him down and move onward, then none of us can do so. And Kimon's like, well, but whoever it is, they won't confess. And then Kondro is like, Kiku is right, Kin. Let us clear it all up now. It was me. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't really need to, but I guess he's so convinced that this is the moment of triumph that he's just like, ha ha, I'm going to, you know, dance on your fucking graves and stuff. So everyone's like, Kondro, 
we all nearly boiled to death in that pod together. And he's like, that's right. Nothing would have completed my role better than to die with you. Ever since I completely lost my will to go on as a child, I've been searching for my place to die. The man you thought I was never existed. I shared joys and sorrows with you all, earning your absolute trust, hating none of you and meaning you no harm. The one thing I did was continually send Lord Orochi information. And they're like, why? He says, my name is Kurozumi Kondro. Need I say more? And so, yeah, he says, like, when our plan first leaked, it wasn't because of, of one of Law's subordinates. And, you know, there was, of course, Yasuye who, who improvised and he changed the plan. But, of course, I just leaked the changed plan. So his death was in vain. And so you shouldn't have been able to reach it without a Viva card. But didn't you think it was suspicious when Jack showed up there, Dogstorm? Why didn't you suspect any of us? Why didn't you suspect your own until it came to this? It shouldn't have made sense to you. None of it. This entire time. It's just like Lord Orochi said. There's a little boat. Uh, oh, it's not him saying this, but the, oh, a huge fleet shows up of Kaido's ships, and they're all intercepting the little rowboats that the Akzai and I are on. They're like, ah, ha, ha, and our spy is with them. Is that you? And Kinemon, of course, is really pissed off. He slices straight through Kanjiro's face. And Kanjiro just stands there with his head falling off and says, I could have kept my secret and sunk to the bottom of the sea with you. True to my role to the very end. But Lord Orochi stopped me. He said, well done. The final act is finished. And he's on the coast instead of Shinobu saying, once I bring Momonosuke to Onigashima, that is. And they're like, why is he back there? And of course, it's a painting that he made. And, and everyone's like, but the Kanjiro we knew couldn't paint that well. So he's been pretending to be a bad artist the whole time, Chris. That that's, bastard. That's what I'm doing, too. I'm not naturally a bad artist. I'm just pretending to until the correct opportune time to reveal my skills. But of course, that doesn't seem to imply like, hey, there's a whole lot of stuff he could have pulled off if he just hid that ability from people. He could have disguised himself. He could have summoned illusions that were really convincing, all sorts of different things that we don't really have. Like, you know, this is what he did yet. There were some people in the Discord who were saying, like, here's some things that, you know, don't match what he was saying. So, you know, um, he was basically playing down his own abilities uh, before when there were the jokes about his uh, drawing ability and the fact that he couldn't do stuff like if water got in them and stuff like that. So. Um, but at that moment. As everyone's like, oh, my God, what are, what are we going to do? You know, Kadro's got Momonosuke and we're stranded out here in the sea. All of a sudden, a huge explosion rocks one of Kaido's ships and Luffy is there and he's like, sorry, we're a little late. And everyone's like, what the fuck? I thought we sank all the enemy ships. And they look, everyone looks down and there's something on the seafloor and a ship emerges beneath the rowboat and carries it up into the sky. And uh, someone says, who takes a row out to sea in the middle of a storm? Are you crazy? Don't take the sea for granted, samurai. And they're like, is that? And it's law. And then more explosions rock the, one of Kaido's ships from the other direction. And Kid is there and he says, I saw those ships and Sarah hang out at the other port like idiots. What are they doing? I nearly sank them all to get them out of my way. And Kimon shouts over to Luffy and those like, oh, is everyone all right? And Contro says, why didn't I hear about this? This doesn't make sense. They said we just had to sink a few samurai in a rowboat, but these guys are pirates. The worst generation. I thought they were locked up. 
And Luffy shouts over to Kaido's ships and says, don't pick on samurai in a rowboat. When you're at sea, you fight against pirates. Oh, man. Fuck yeah! Oh, holy shit. This is so dope. Oh, man, there's like six months of the end flashback. It was fucking worth it because this is such a cool reveal with those dudes all showing up and they all have like new outfits and they all have like a cool moment where they all show up and like you only see like the bottom of their face because they're talking and then they have that big cool line when you're at sea, you fight against pirates and fuck yeah, this is so dope. And you've got the shot of Kid, Luffy, and Law, and it's like, well, that's going to make it for an awesome desktop someday. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, look, I'm already sitting here and I'm like, I'm waiting for like the other parts of this because I'm like, I wonder if they actually sank all those boats or if Frankie did something to make it so make it look like they were sinking or something or or they could come back or it's something like I just like it's so exciting to see like the moment of like the big villain reveal and everything feels like it's at its absolute worst. And then boom, all of a sudden Luffy and the kid and law have shown up and you're like, fuck, yeah, finally, like. It it's as satisfying as I kind of hoped it would be because you're just like, all right, we're out of the flashback. We're fucking going now. And it's a really cool first chapter back. Like, it's the right pace. We need to move. This is especially because we got back from this flashback that was all about Odin and all about Wano. And all about the stuff that Odin had been doing with his samurai friends. Yes, he bonded with pirates and stuff like that. But it was about Odin's life. And then you have that moment at the end of the chapter that is just like, hey, don't shoot at samurai and robo when you're at sea, you fight against pirates. And it's like the cast from the present is back. And we are and this is as much as the story is about Wano's past and how that carries on to uh to the nation and to the Akazai and nine and stuff. This is now also Luffy's story and we're getting that injected right into it. And it's back. The, the stuff that we left behind all those months ago. Now we're back to it and we're kicking off at an awesome pace. And there's been a lot of buildup, not just in the flashback, but in the two parts of this arc before this. And now we're getting into the climactic part of the story and I'm really excited to get to it. Yeah, like it, it, it's one of those things where I'm I'm really really eager to get the next chapters and just such a satisfying way to kind of do everything. I really really enjoyed this chapter. All right, that is the chapter of the week, by the way. So uh, for me, so okay, uh, yeah, that's that's my chapter of the week as well. Uh, and it's the audience. Holy shit! I legit I had not opened it, and I was like, it's gonna be act age. They're always gonna pick act age. <laughs> But no, One Piece won this week. Eat shit, nerds. No, so, oh, so, no, I'm kidding. Curry, I'm one out of the audience. <laughs> what was your favorite character, Chris? Ah, that's tough. Because I look, and even though I just gave it to One Piece, this was a week with a lot of really, really good chapters in it. Um, part of me wants to go with Twice. Part of me wants to go with Kuriyama. Um, I'm gonna you, give you, go, you, you go first. I'm yeah. giving mine to twice uh, because, um, you know, there's all that emotion with him. And, you know, the danger there's the danger that Hawks had hinted towards previously. And now all of that is potentially going to to boil over. Um, and there's the sense of betrayal that he has with Hawks. Uh, you know, these the big emotional core of that chapter. 
and, you know, leading up to this big explosion that we know that he's capable of and what's going to happen next. So without him, that chapter would be much worse. Uh, so. Yeah, I, you know what? I, I think instead of twice, I think I'm going to go with Hawk. No, I don't know. No, no, it's Luffy. And, and it's like, even though it's the three of them together, I try to think of it. I'm like, Luffy's the, back! Yeah, I really, I was like, that was the biggest like feeling I had this week. So yeah, I'm just even though he literally has his whole face visible in only one panel this week, I was yeah. so excited to have Luffy yeah, like back. three and, lines. <laughs> I was just like, I mean, I guess in a way I could say Contra, but fuck, I'm just going to say Luffy. Like, I just want to give it to that moment. It's such a great end to that chapter. That was that one came out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, uh, Armonia Justice. Can he get it again? <laughs> Before we get into the uh, usual episode ending stuff, I want to say what our recommendation is that we're taking next. Zach Bell again. No, oh. I, I am very excited about this one because this is something that I discovered a few weeks ago. Uh, read a little bit of it, thought it was very good. Um, and then at the same time that I had learned about it, I found out that the anime was going to be available on Netflix and it has just debuted on Netflix. So we're going to be reading the associated manga for B stars. So that is what we're going to be reading next. All right. Goodbye, everybody. Let's head off. Oh, sure, wait. why not? I don't have to go through all the usual stuff. Thank you to the usual people. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Devimar Podcast, at Rolla T, at Nick F Time. Check out the Discord server where you can also see the Google Doc that Ninja X3i maintains where you can keep track of our recommendations like the one that I just said. And also, you know, stuff like audience polls and all that good shit. Uh, thank you to Ninja X3F for maintaining all that stuff. Thank you to Steam Manor Tower Cars. Thank you to Infamous Planet for the uh, live stream video version frame. And thank you to Wensley Dale Cheddar and uh, Milo Jack Stillitz for the opening sequence to Ikamaga Recap. Yeah. And that should be That's good to do it, everybody. We'll catch you next time. Boop, 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 boop. Boop. <laughs>